I was trying it out and I love, love, love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. It's so perfect. So I'm super duper happy. Nice. Because I'm trying to wean myself off of Mac and all of these like giant brands. So I'm trying to support basically black and indigenous businesses. And so now the foundation was the last thing that I didn't have that I really liked. And so now I'm super happy because now I have an indigenous foundation brand. Oh, that's perfect. And might as well say it because we're recording now for the podcast. So let at least the podcast listeners know what the name of the brand is if they want to support them too. Yeah. So it's uh, Cheekbone Beauty. Cheekbone Beauty. I like that. Cheekbone Beauty. Yeah. So a, par- a, portion, a portion of the proceeds for any sales they do go to supporting indigenous. It's indigenous owned, indigenous woman owned. Um, but a part of their proceeds goes to support indigenous uh, sort of charities or indigenous uh, initiatives. So it's really, and it's all sustainable. So all of your packaging is recyclable or reseedable. So wow. like their cards are actually like the flower seeds that when you plant them, new flowers come out. Nice. <gasps> wow. That's amazing. That's, that's amazing. Well thought that's out. Mm-hmm. Solitaire, we're, we're in podcast time. How was your week? We are in podcast time. Greetings to all of <laughs> our loyal podcast followers and listeners who, uh, you know, it's funny. It's it's one of those things that's interesting. Negative feedback you hear instantly. Yo, they think that your show is trash. But great feedback you don't hear until you're out places and people are like, hell, I listen to your show every week. Yo, this amazing. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I get out there and obviously the lockdown has opened things up. So I've been getting out there, seeing people and I'm getting a lot of love out there for, uh, so shout out to all of our, for your music things. for hashtag or for what, for you're hashtag, not, no, sorry, for hashtag, for hashtag, for hashtag, for hashtag, obviously. music, yeah, music too. Obviously, you know, I'm, I'm releasing a little bit of new music, but, uh, mostly hashtag. So just okay. want to, you know, sh- uh, send a, a special shout out to anybody who recently came up to me and just let me know that they're in, um, that's no, the show. for real. Like I would like to. I guess we shouldn't be tooting our own horn so much. We need to introduce our guest as well. But yes, just story, yes. we never get feedback from anybody, really. So it's like we never know how the show is being received. And then once in the blue moon, someone will say, yo, I listen to the show every Saturday or whatever. Like it happens once in a while. So it's like I'm always shocked. Who's your this. PR people? <laughs> they should be collecting that. Yeah. Who's our PR well, the, the, the station does. Vibe does. But they don't I, tell I, us anything. And and <laughs> I personally, you know, I don't, I, honestly, I don't ask. I don't, I'm not really concerned because I don't want it to to kind of uh, alter or influence how we approach the show. You know mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. if we're not, we're doing it, it's more of a, like, I love having these conversations. We talk about things that we think are important to us and try to, give different perspectives as much as possible. So I want to kind of keep to that. And everybody who loves that, they just gravitate towards it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So so obviously, uh, podcast listeners, you hear a voice. It is not No Better Nina. She is taking a little R&R this week. She'll be back with us next week. So much love to our little sis. Rest up. No Better Nina. You know what I mean? Rest up. We got you. But... Um, Obviously, not necess- not a replacement at all, but a special, special guest 
uh, one of our all-time favorite guests and just an amazing human being, Dr. Dory Tunstall is our guest. Yay, clap, clap, clap. We're going to be introducing you again when we're on the radio. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. I've missed you all so much. I can't wait because I think the first time we did it, we interviewed you was virtually. So we haven't had the opportunity to have you in the studio for an interview. And I'm definitely, you know, remiss about that because I think with the relationship as I've come to get to know you over the years, like you're just such an uh, incredible and inspiring person that even through these virtual conversations, it's, it's really cool to have you join us and be so willing and open. Like it's never been stressed, even in the short notice that we had to ask you to come to, to join us today. So thank you very, very much for being such a loyal fan and supporter of the show. Thank you for the invitation. Anytime. Yeah. Clearly anytime. <laughs> so wait, how so many how, how many appearances now is this for for Dory? Is this I her think third? This is my third. So you third. are tied, I think, with Rich Kid for the uh, yeah. most Ooh. appearances on the show. Oh, actually, I think you, Rich Kid, and Andrea Bain are all tied for three. Okay. Right now, I don't think we've ever had a uh, someone be on the show four times. Yeah. But you yeah. will. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are definitely going to break the third. I'm sure of it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put it into the universe to say when we we are planning, ladies and gentlemen, we are planning to go back into the studio and do like recorded live shows uh, once a month at Vibe 105. I don't know if I spill the beans, but uh, this is the podcast. So, um, and I want to say that you'll be our first in-person guest. I'm there. Um, I'm going to put that in the universe. Provided that there isn't a new. Don't say it. Okay. Oh, don't say it. Okay. I'm just saying there's a lot of letters in the Greek alphabet and, <laughs> and they've, they've just gotten started with it. So I'm just saying. Oh my goodness. Anyway. So um, before just really quickly, I guess, before we get into, into the, the, the radio show portion, how was, how was your week? You're, I, you're incredibly involved in so many projects I don't know how you even have the time to come and join us. Yeah. So, yeah, I am. You know, everything's in alignment. It's not like I'm doing anything that's like pulling me away from something. You know, like you get tired when you're doing something that's like fragmenting you all over the place. But everything I'm doing is in alignment. Like it's all part of the same goal. So it's easy to just ride it. Was that by design or was that by like divine design? Oh, no, it's by it's by design. Yeah. (laughs) I make very hard choices around what I say no to. Is this an alignment? No. (laughs) Listen, if there's any one word that is representative of Dory, it's design. Everything is by design. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. There you go. You're so clever. (laughs) Oh, hey, hey, I'm I'm a, I'm a rapper. You know I mean? I'm a wordsmith, so that goes without saying. Can, but listen, can I ask uh, Dory if because uh, I was reading your uh, Wikipedia page and I saw it said Elizabeth and I was like, oh, Elizabeth, and I was like, uh-huh. all right, so who, who's that? Well, I'm just I was going to ask you who in your like who calls you Elizabeth or does like does anybody call you Elizabeth or is it just always Dory? Uh, so there's one uncle. Uncle Sonny, who calls me Elizabeth because everyone else calls me Dory. Okay. So he just does that just to be different? Just to be different. To to show we have a special relationship. So he's like my adapted father. Mm -hmm. Um, And so so he's he's always called me Elizabeth. So anyone calls me Elizabeth is either an insurance salesperson or him. Okay. Because I I don't know if you know this. It's It's a real Jamaican thing. 
for people to have like two different names, even though, and it's just like, even though one name, I don't know where it came from. My sister, for example, we call her Sandra, mm -hmm. even though her legal name is Janet, you know, and for me as a kid, for how many years I thought, I truly thought her name was Sandra <laughs> as her brother. So, and I've experienced that multiple times with Jamaicans, like two multiple names. And I was like, oh, she's got two names too. I need to ask I her did. about this. <laughs> well, the thing is, Elizabeth's a family name. So in every generation, probably going back five or six generations, there's an Elizabeth oh. in the family, direct Elizabeth. And so there was a, the story is there, there was a, there was a debate over what I was to be called. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually named after my grandmother, who is Dolores Elizabeth and Dory doesn't come from Dolores. It's totally different origin. Right. Uh, but my father wanted me to have my own name because he wanted me to be my own person. So he says, okay, we'll continue the family tradition, but she's to be called Dory. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Uh, curiosity just wanted to know solitary. Yeah. Well, I, and I asked you before about the Reddy Fox. So I did, <laughs> I, I did tell you about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess we'll um, jump into radio. Right? Yeah. You can start whenever you want. Good morning, good morning, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is Saturday, August the 14th, and of course, you're hearing the sound of my voice. Congratulations, you made it through another week, and now it is time for you to sit back, relax, or maybe you're driving, maybe you're listening to us in your headphones while you're taking a walk, but good morning. Welcome to hashtag yours truly solitaire, DJ Ready Fox. No Better Nina is not joining us today, ladies and gentlemen. She's taking a little R&R &R week off this week so a uh, shouts out to no better nina get some rest we got you take your time but in this episode ladies and gentlemen we had to make sure that uh, we found the right person to fill the shoes uh guest host but amazing guest joining us today ladies and gentlemen is our special 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 guest dory dr dory tunstall hey good morning happy to be back Welcome, welcome back. She is uh, vying very quickly to be one of our most, uh, our, our guest had who has attended our show the most. She's uh, This is our third appearance. She's tied. She's tied with She's Rich tied. Kid and Andrea Bain yeah. for three appearances on Hashtag. So that's special. That's special. And um, we're glad to have her here. Obviously, we're going to be having a very uh, you know, extensive conversation with some stuff that we want to get her perspective on that we've discussed previously on the show. We're going to talk about all of the amazing, amazing work that she has done in the city for the city. And she's not even from the city, which is which makes it even more incredible. So we're going to get a chance to to talk to her throughout the show. Um, but of course, first and foremost, let's do our homework make sure if you're not already that you're following us on our social media platforms at hashtag vibe 105 on twitter and instagram we love to hear the the comments and the support and the love and the feedback from the posts that we have and we post clips from the show and we post you know articles and interesting stories from what's going on throughout the week so make sure that if you are already following us tell your friends say look give me your phone give me your phone right now <laughs> your phone and just Tag it at hashtag Vibe105 on Twitter and Instagram and hit that follow and subscribe button. Okay, we appreciate that. And um, are we going to do the poll of the week, poll question of the week? We could do last week's again. But before we get into the poll question, just 
you know, you got straight into business. How was your week, Solitaire? How was your week, Dory? You're just all business this week, Solitaire. Okay, well, let's start with the guest. Dory, how was your week? How are you handling the heat? uh, I'm handling the heat fine because I have really good air conditioning in my condo and I never go outside. Uh, But my week has been, I I was out for a month in Paris, Ontario, in the green, in nature. So I'm getting used to being back in the city. Like I I couldn't sleep the other night because there was too much city noise. Oh, you got used to the the countryside quiet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Are you, now that everything's been uh, kind of reopening, like are you just still staying home for the most part? Or are you getting out in the city and seeing some stuff or... No. I am not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Is I mean, this... partly because someone in my bubble is immune, uh, immunocompromised. So I have to, if I want to stay in the bubble, I have to be super careful. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, our numbers are good in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm on where I'm at. No one's wearing masks. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And it's it's hard to get used to. It's hard to get used to. I'm still masked up. Like, yeah, but everyone... not to be a Debbie Downer, but we have been seeing the numbers start to go back up now for this last week. And uh, I think around Thursday or so, we hit over 500 for the first time in, you know, a little while. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Should we say doctors are saying it? Fourth wave? <laughs> How dare you, Ready Pop? I'm sorry. You stop that. I know. I know. It's the, the F word. It's, 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 the, it's the other other F word because there's two Fs yeah, for me. It's the fourth, yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the fourth. And but, it's a four-letter uh, four, fourth word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, uh, we, you know, it's, it's such an interesting time. We're navigating it day by day. Like, I, I will definitely say I avoid COVID news updates, to be quite honest with you, unless it's something related to, you know, the my studio business or the work that I have to go and do. I try to avoid the news because, you know, I'm not going to get back on that wave. Right. So <laughs> Especially you not you, the Delta wave. So you don't look at the news at all ever? Of course I read the news. Oh. I have to read the news. But I, I, I read the headline and then I, just, I decide... Eh, is this going to give me like a negative spin or is this just going to give me an update of information? Right. But when you start, as soon as I start seeing like, oh, case numbers are starting to rise, I'm like, that's enough information for me. You don't need any more than that. This means be more vigilant and be more cautious. I don't need to hear about the numbers and what it was yesterday and what is projected to be in a couple of weeks. It's like, that is information that does not serve me or help me all when all I can really do is mask and get vaccinated when I've done both. So well, Dory, how about yourself? Like, how do you, how do you, what is your processor or your strategy for filtering how much views you take in? Um, I only follow the news of people who I trust. <laughs> right. And I read, I read the New York times again, mm-hmm. uh, the guardian, and that's really about it. Okay, we had everything a... else gets filtered through people that I trust. Okay, because we had a conversation just a little while ago about doom scrolling, and mm. you know, you know, getting addicted to like going through all the headlines and just keep going, going, and you know, you get a little anxious from it just because there's so much stuff happening in the world. So you really have to be attentive to yourself to like not do that and to take time off and unplug once in a while. So. I'm assuming. Yeah, my Insta, because, you know, the people I follow on Instagram and social media are generally like very politically engaged people and from all over the world. 
So I do have to be careful when I do my morning story scroll that uh, that I'm not inundating myself with all of the problems that are happening around the world. Right. Directly from, again, people that I know. So it's like there's an emotional attachment to right. the news. It's not just abstract. Right. Right. Yeah, man. Well, I, I yeah, I, I just with thinking about everything that you have to consider on a day-to-day basis, I would imagine that you very, very strictly filter <laughs> that kind of information that comes into you. And I, I definitely can relate to that. Um, but we'll talk, I think we'll talk a little bit, obviously, something COVID-related <laughs> later on in the show. But Probably. before we get on with our discussion with Dory, uh, we're going to re- rehash, we're going to rehash tag our poll question of the week. Uh, make sure, of course, you head over to at hashtag Vibe105 on Twitter to make your vote. Are we going to keep the poll up? Yeah, like sure. Maybe for another week. So we'll yeah. renew it. So make your vote count. And the question was... Do you believe that in order to stay faithful, loyal in a relationship, you cannot be on social media? The answers are, yes, social media is too tempting. No, it's called control. Or it doesn't matter. Trust no one. Dory, what would you answer for that? I would say, what is the second one? Like, it's okay to be on social media if you're in a relationship. That's that's weird to say that you couldn't be. I I, I, I think it creates a complication for people these days because people can't separate their in real life lives from their virtual lives. And social media has become such a part of people's lives that I think it's creating complications for people that maybe we don't see it because we're of a different generation. Mm. I don't know. That's just how I feel about it. Well, well, let me pull that back and steer you in another way, because that was the previous week's yeah. <laughs> poll question this week. But what were question. the percentages for what people said for oh. it? So uh, nobody said social media is too tempting. Uh, 71% said it's called control. And uh, 29% said doesn't matter. Trust no one. That's terrible. That seems about right. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Previous week was, do you consider flirting while in a relationship as cheating? Uh, The answers were yes, the leads people on. No, it's just a personality trait or I'm single, so it doesn't matter. And what did you say, Dory, to this? No, I love flirting. There you go. <laughs> I love flirting. And, it, and again, I, I, I mean, I heard a little bit of what you said, Solitaire, about it. But for me, it's, it's, it's about verbal. It's a verbal wordplay for me. It's mm-hmm. like verbally just trying to be clever to show like just how much in some ways you might appreciate a person or just to have fun. Like I don't, I don't flirt to like, get with someone right, I flirt right. to just be like ah that's like a really clever way to say that that's a really yeah. interesting way to See? say that and what did I you know let's save this for no better take because we're going to rehash all of these uh, conversations and more that we had in the past to see what you have to say about it, because I'm more on Dory's side of this. Remember, I was telling you guys before, I think there's such a thing as innocent flirting and you and Nina were like, no, nope, no such thing. So we're going to have to yeah. talk about this some more. OK, OK, we'll talk about it. But um, yeah, it's an interesting thing, right? You know, being social and going out and at, at the end of the day, it's really a matter of how comfortable you make your partner feel about the fact that he or she are the one for you, you know what I mean? And then everything else you kind of sort out. So anyway, make sure you head over to at hashtag Vibe105 to make your vote count. Ladies and gentlemen, now, of course, we're going to forego our have you herds today. 
because we have, ladies and gentlemen, the, the Dean of the Faculty of Design at OCAD University. She's the first black person and black female Dean of a Faculty of Design anywhere on the planet Earth. She holds a PhD and a, and a master's in anthropology. She's a researcher, she's an academic leader. She's a writer, an educator, a mentor, my mentor. She's uh, like, almost like a um, like a fairy godmother figure to the arts and design community. And in education, city. yeah, yeah. And education. Yeah, fairy it's godmother in- of education, yeah. <laughs> you know- <laughs> oh, please let that be on my business card now. <laughs> <laughs> You're exactly I mean, right, though. I know exactly what you mean. Like, she's just, she covers so many bases. And, and she's it's, and it's, so it's friendly so and nice. It's so intentional. And like you, you know, we were talking about earlier uh, when we were discussing it on the podcast version, it's because everything that she does is in such alignment and it's by design. It, right. it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's clever. And I know I'm a rapper and I'll take credit for, you know, the little wordplay, but it really is true when you look at your life and, and what you've done. And um, just to quote, when OCAD was looking for a dean who can help them with decolonization, diversity and equity, uh, this is all work that you had already done previously in Australia. Uh, and now you're going to bring it here to Canada. And, you know, what, speak a little bit about the, uh, the idea of design anthropology, because this is something I, I, I first heard you talk about it when we first interviewed you. And then I, I dug a little bit deeper into it, but in preparing for today and reading some of the stuff you were talking about, like, it's so it's so deep. It's it's such a like, uh, it's such an academic uh, endeavor in a way that I'd never possibly imagined. So could you kind of simplify this? Your which is essentially your life's work. This idea of design anthropology. <laughs> simplify I, I your life's it work. To three words. I can reduce it to three words: uh, values, mm-hmm. design, and experience. So mm-hmm. what we look at is what are the values that people have how design makes them real, right? So it's like something can be in your head, but once you give it a form, it's real. I can fight you about it. I can negotiate with it. I can collaborate with you. And then what is, what is, does that actually meet the experience I want to have, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So let's say right now we're, we're, we're talking about sustainability mm-hmm. as a value. That's really important for us right now, mm-hmm. especially due to the earth ending. <laughs> So then like design is like, how do you, if if sustainability is a value, how do you begin to redesign stuff? Mm -hmm. What's the experience of sustainability that you want people to have? So it's really simple is that as an anthropologist, you understand what people's values are. Yeah. And as a designer, you make something that's related to that. And then you evaluate whether or not what you've made hits the right experience that people want and need to have. And if not, you go back and redesign. And if the values are wrong, because we have a lot of wrong values at the moment, then you start beginning to shift the values. Can I, can I ask you, how has your approach been different compared to your experience in Australia with what it's been like in Canada? Yeah. It's actually been quite similar. Really? I mean, like the same sort of process, like I arrive, uh, luckily both English speaking, although sometimes I didn't understand the English. <laughs> uh, just... In Canada and in Australia, too, or just in Australia? Yeah. Oh. If you, you know, don't like, know what okay, a loony is, you don't know that to, that's a dollar. Out, yeah. Not to give out, a, like, a, a, but, like, you know, when someone, when I finally heard um, Cardi slang, 
Bacardi slang. Bacardi yeah. slang. I was like, why did not, why didn't someone show me this when I first arrived? Because oh. I spent like the first three months, like I have, I know I'm in an English speaking country, <laughs> but I have no idea what people in Toronto are saying. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Is it really that bad? Are we that bad? With our, with our Toronto slang? It's different. It's just different, right? right? You have to learn it is. So it's been pretty much uh, similar in that you just be present in community, get to know community. Again, what's interesting in Australia is that blackness and indigeneity is the same. Right. <laughs> that's, that's different here. Uh, um, and then you just do the work. You just do the work. Bring them into the institution and get all the stuff out of the way that allow that would prevent them from doing the work that they want to do with the institution. It's exactly the same. It seems like such a daunting task. Like where, where do you start? Like where, what, what's. Start just, you just hang out with people and you ask them, what do you want? What do you need? Mm-hmm. Uh, how is the institution not providing you that? And then you're like, Oh, uh, let me see what I can do right. in the institution to provide you with that. And then you let it run. You let it run. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, it's not really an oversimplification to say that. That's really the process. Let mm-hmm. me listen to what it is that you want to need. Figure out how the institution works. Mm-hmm. Hack the institution to get you what you need. Um, and then get out of the way. Wow. It, how, how uh, when you were first studying this and, you know, learning about your, you know, growing up and how you found your purpose when you were amongst the, you know, people who were in design in that world, did you anticipate that it would, you know, the rabbit hole, so to speak, goes that deep in terms of design? Because it's, you, you, one of the, one of the signs uh, that you've mastered something is being able to simplify it and explain it in three words, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But in looking, and I, you know, I did not even scratch the surface because, you know, just looking back at some of the stuff you're doing, um, being the organizer of the U.S. National Design Policy Initiative, which I don't even, even, can even conceptualize what you were doing there, <laughs> you know, and, and then you wrote a biweekly column for the conversation from 2013 to 2015 talking about design, you know what I mean? It's like, I, when I think about design, I think about, you know, graphic designers and I think about like fashion designers and, I, I never really would have made the connection to how fashion and, and how design comes from filling a need for something. Mm-hmm. Did you know it was that, or is that something you discovered in your educational journey? Well, I think I, I knew it instinctively mm. uh, because I mean, again, we're, we're all, we're all black folks. Mm. So mm. we noticed, let's say the way in which the world has not been designed for us. <laughs> right. Uh, or we begin the process of designing for us and by us. Thank you, Fubu. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so we 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 already know that this world is being made, and and then we're trying to figure out how to make it for make it work for us. Right. So that you learn like as a kid, and then you just get better skills at thinking about what it is that you want to have made in the world and then building up the skills to be able to make it so that you can convince other people, yeah, let's all get together and make this happen, right? Yeah. So it's such an incredible thing. Some of the projects that you've been working on or spearheading over the years, uh, most recently, Black OCAD University. I mean, 
that in and of itself is is an incredible feat to have you know a university in toronto dedicated to to black and indigenous people incredible talk a little bit about that and how that came together uh because i was the only one <laughs> and i didn't want that to be the case anymore and you know we started out with indigenous so we just announced actually yesterday the results of our second indigenous cluster hire so we're bringing in five new indigenous faculty nice uh, and um so we did indigenous first as you should do because they're the first peoples Amen. And then, um, and then, as soon as we were done with that, we're like, okay, I cannot be the only black person in the faculty of design who's here full time on a job. So now we know this indigenous cluster hire work. Let's do it. Let's do it for us, right? Yeah. Let's do it for us. And luckily, you know, like everyone's like the community came out. Yeah. Like the community came out. Like because you're worried about if I put the call out there, no one's going to respond, and the community responded, which then has made it so easy mm. and like again everyone everyone is doing it now you know like uh what is it university of ottawa they're mm. like they've announced a 10-person black cluster hire and a 10-person indigenous cluster hire yeah did you experience and that's because we made it easy we and made did, it look easy did you it wasn't easy but i was gonna say you didn't say it wasn't easy and i was just gonna ask you did you have any resistance at all in terms of trying to put it together yes <laughs> but we but we overcame we shall overcome and we overcame the resistance that was the most political yes i've seen it in some time that was three letters but so much in that yes yeah. so much <laughs> so much in that yes so and now other... everyone's on board like all i have to say is like let's do a yes right mm. so you know people all this stuff is risky if someone hasn't done it before it's yeah. risky and right? if they can't see your vision Mm-hmm. Then right. it's hard. So my thing is, I have to like explain the vision to great detail so that they can see it, mm-hmm. and then when it's all over, they'll take credit for it as if it was their idea. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Oh man, and and, and I I really really believe it's your vantage point coming into the city with a clear like no preconceived notions or biases, and really just. It, I think you just gravitate because your energy was of that. I want to be a connector and a and a conveyor of this energy in the city. People around you just gravitated to you, and you just it was the right people. Like that's even how I, I how I came to find out about you and and continue to work with you. Uh, we have a, a one minute before we got to go to break, but uh, just before before we go to break, talk about it's my future Toronto. That is my favorite project that I've done this year, where we got eight to 12 year old black and POC youth basically designing the solutions to the problems of COVID-19 and the city. And just, you know, sometimes I'm amazed by how smart the young people are, like really the children should be leading us. The children should be leading us because the solutions they were we were fight they were fighting sustainability they were fighting like people not wearing their masks they were fighting like homelessness and so we were we worked with the Globe and Mail we worked with uh, the Juliet who as well as Sidley who did the We the North campaign yeah. we worked with a bunch of OCAD students uh, politicians the City of Toronto Microsoft like everybody came on board to make sure, including you, Solitaire, providing some beats. Um, 
you know, just to give this kids an experience of like, I can make a difference. So when we rocked up on Young and Dunda Square and they are seeing the ads that they created up on a billboard, like those kids will be running the city in 20 years. Amazing. They will be running the city in 20 years. And, and, and yet you have time to come and spend a couple <laughs> hours on the show with us tonight. We are so grateful. Uh, we have to take a break right now and, and pay some bills. For those of you, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening to us on the radio, stay tuned. We'll be right back. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, stay with us. This is Hashtag on Vibe 105. You, you could not be more accurate about, the, the, about children leading. I think, you know, it's that synergy. It's that synergetic relationship. I don't even know if that's a word, but, you know, as... I just remember like our perspective of grownups growing up as kids. I just know the West Indian philosophy was children are to be seen and not. Heard. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was like, you're spoken to don't do as I say, do as I, I mean, don't do as I do, do as I say, all of these kind of things was designed to have children just fall in line. But it's like, it really is in my experience, not necessarily younger children, like eight to 12, but even just working with younger artists in the studio you realize that age is doesn't mean I know better. It just means I have more depth of experience to be able to help them who don't really have the experience, but they have the energy and the ideas. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, so it's, it's eight to 12 year olds. They don't have, they don't have the limitations of, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. They're thinking with like free thought. Yeah. Exactly. That's why we chose eight to 12. Cause you know, again, we've been, this was a version of black reach, which we've been, have been doing for a couple of years. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was a thing where, you know, we got one 13 year old in the room and they were like, not possible, not possible, not possible, not possible. <laughs> and, you know, like we had, we had to use the eight year olds to basically like get them excited <laughs> because they're so cynical. Just, yeah. you know, that, 12 to 13, all of a sudden that cynicism kicks in. Yeah. And the cynicism is, that is really the, I guess the taking the wind out of the sails of the imagination of possibilities of young people. Well, and that's where, you know, but that's also where the structures become, get, you know, begin to tell you things, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you're moving away. Force you to confirm or conform. Yeah, yeah, right. Like you're, you're, you know, for us, the thing we've been fighting is, you know, like parents saying, stop drawing. What are you going to be doing with that? Because I don't want you to become a starving artist. So part of the whole program was like, you can draw <laughs> flyers and then maybe how old is, how, do, how old is Julian? How old is like in 30, 40 years, you might be director X, right? And so, you know, there are possibilities out there. Don't shut them down when they're young because we'll help guide them to the kind of career where they can flourish being creative, right? Nice. And being and being who they are <laughs> without trying to find, oh, I got to get it. I got to go to university. I got to get a job, which means I got to make sure I'm in a field that's going to guarantee me a job that I will end up hating after two years. It's horrible, you know, how many, man. What's, the, what's that stat? There's a stat. I can't remember what the statistic is, but it's ridiculous. Like of people who've graduated from university who are actually working in the field that they studied. It's, it's a like, small number. Yeah. yeah. So that that is such a huge sign. But of course, when there's nothing else to compare it to, you just assume like that's the way that it is. And that's why I'm so 
excited about the possibilities of and, and how much the profile of OCAD University has raised because that's the space for it. <laughs> I, I love the fact that, like, again, parents to me are like, again, like their 10-year-old, it's like, they're really interested in drawing. Can you look at their portfolio? I'm like, of course. And then I will see you in eight years. <laughs> Sign them up. Recruit them. Hey, listen, colleges and universities do it for athletes, right? They're right. like, find them young. They're like, you, I, I, you've got a certain stroke in your, in your design and your, in your drawing. We're going to nurture that. I, yeah. I remember like, um, I don't know if you know about St. Michael's college in Toronto, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, they have a, they had an elementary school too. And I remember I was singing in the choir and I was, you know, most of the kids in my class couldn't sing. So obviously I stood out and they recruited me at, in grade six. They like, they, I said, I auditioned for, but, but, um, you know, you grow up and my parents are like, oh, you got accepted. But what we were not going to do was pay $10,000 a year for you to go to elementary school. <laughs> that's, what, that's what's not going to happen. <laughs> and I was like... Dream away, but dream less expensive. <laughs> no, the, 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 it's funny because I had no idea. I did the audition and thought nothing of it. I never even... I don't even think I really asked what happened. I wasn't even... Because it, was it was a singing test and it was uh, and a written test. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, my, I never asked my parents. Clearly, they never told me. But you know, in later on in life, you, I'm thinking back. I didn't know about St. Michael's Choir School or that you had to pay. I just knew that they're like, "Oh, I can sing. Yeah, I'll go to the school if they let me sing." My parents said, no. "Nope." <laughs> what was the singing test? Oh man, I can't. I think it might have been O Canada or something. Oh. It was something. It was something pretty simple because it was like you know. I Saint wanted Michael's you Choir to say school. "Fire and Desire" or something like. <laughs> oh no! It, it, it was a. It was a. <laughs> It was a Catholic school, and it, this is—we're not talking about oh. musical theater here. We're talking about St. Michael, hey man. St. Michael's Choir School. So it was definitely like Catholic, like white Catholic church music. So you would have wowed them with fire and desire. That would have been amazing. Yeah, one hundred percent wow, one hundred percent. Are they? I mean, like you rap? Do you sing? I do. I do. Yeah, okay. I, I feel like I can. I can carry a note, but I would not ever put myself in the uh in the stratosphere of like the julie blacks or you know what i mean like the melanie durant sing or better than me tell you that can, i can't but I, can, I can sing i can i can i can definitely sing like i get i know i know enough when i'm on key and when i'm off key mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. that's important because some professionals don't know that <laughs> that's that's the biggest thing and i think even like just in terms of the studio work i do the singers, that's why they love working with me because I'm not just a, a tone-deaf engineer who's just recording them. I could be like, ah. Oh, You're off-key. You don't want to sing that again. And then after the first or second time I try to correct them, then I learn that, yeah, you have no idea. When I say sharp or flat, you have no idea. You're just trying to sing it again. So these, this direction is not going to work for you. you just, I'm just going to have to let you finish and then tune it when you're not auto tune. Yeah. We're gonna talk about that in music. Oh, we are. We are the, the Ti Usher thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We okay, are so good. because I, that hurt my. I felt bad for T Pain when I heard about that. What, yeah. what Usher did to him, and I was like, "That's not cool, man. That's not it's cool." Such it's such an interesting story. Yeah. But was he trying to be helpful? Not necessarily. 
not okay. necessarily. And the thing is that um, T-Pain was just on Drink Champs with uh, Nori, I think. I don't know how recent it was, but it was recent enough. No, no, that, that was just the other day. It was like okay, within so, the last few weeks. Yeah, and I don't usually watch Drink Champs. It's actually, like, I like Nori, and I don't know why I don't watch more of it. I, I just don't, but um, I... I you can even just watch the first half an hour of it and he addresses all of that stuff in it like yeah. right off the top because it's so prevalent on everybody's minds in terms of what is his status now with Usher now and like what did he really mean by it and were you guys friends and are you not friends now in the whole nine and we will talk about it in music but it's just yeah I, when I heard that he went into depression after that I was like that's fucked yeah. up man and it's like yeah like, yeah that's I don't know anyways uh, we should get back into radio because we can't keep Dory here all night. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Uh... Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the program. If you're just tuning in, welcome to Hashtag right here live every Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on our home and native Vibe 105. Uh, yours truly solitaire dj ready fox no better nina is taking a mini vacay probably just sipping and chilling and having <laughs> a great weekend girl enjoy yourself relax take some well-deserved r and uh but of course we had to fill the seat and i cannot imagine somebody who i would more want to fill that seat than dr dory tunstall who is our special special yeah. guest joining us on the show today um and now it is time for us to have Reddy Fox take us through this week's segment, Politics as Usual. Okay, well, thank you very much for the for the nice intro. And I should have warned everybody uh, before we started the show to grab a pen and paper because we're going to talk about uh, Canadian issues again, political issues, because it's looking like Justin Trudeau will be calling an election tomorrow. We're looking for the announcement tomorrow for an election for September 20th. So we're going to talk about... What election issues matter the most, particularly to Dory, since we spoke about this before, but she wasn't here on the show with us. So I would like to know what order she would put these uh, issues in. And we also have to recap um, a bit of a vaccination conversation again, because Dory's here. I'd like to ask her a few questions about, you know, just the idea about vaccine passports and, you know, the government's role and everything and all that. So we're going to get Dory's opinion on that. And of course, Solitaire as well. You always... You always give your opinion, Solitaire. I got, I got a few things. I got a few things to say. <laughs> yeah. And um, actually, Ontario announced this week that there are new rules now for fully vaccinated people versus partially or unvaccinated people. That was announced uh, last Wednesday. And mm -hmm. if we have time, um, we'll try to get to this Me Too conversation that happened in the NHL. <clears throat> Excuse me, with uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, they got a lot of backlash for drafting a kid with a troubled history. And... Um, I don't know. I don't agree with the backlash, to be honest with you. I, that's, I that's a pretty that's a pretty interesting story. I hope we get to that. OK, well, we'll see. We'll try. We'll try. Maybe we'll skip over some of the vaccination stuff and make sure we squeeze that in. So, okay. OK, so let's get started with the election issues that matter most to Dory, because uh, we're going to talk about this. We talked about it before and um, we're looking for the announcement tomorrow. We've been anticipating a Canadian election any time now. And, um, you know, the NDP and the conservatives, they're accusing uh, Justin Trudeau's uh, government of acting recklessly. I don't think it's a good idea for us to have an election right now with everything that's going on. We're kind of entering into, I guess I don't want to say it. I'll say it. No, don't say it. Don't say it. I'll say it. We're, enter we're entering into fall. We're entering into fall. <laughs> and, you know, in the fall. The other, the other F word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what the F we're word is that I'm going to say. 
we're entering into fall and with the seasons change you know we don't know what to anticipate that's fourth, that's all fourth wave <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it is don't you can't curse on the air but for honestly like i don't want to say it i don't feel it but we saw cases going up this week i think we hit over 500 um on wednesday or thursday which is the highest we've seen in a while so the conservatives and the ndp they feel like this is irresponsible of the government to hold an election while we're still dealing with the pandemic and they feel like it's a power grab on the liberals part because they're doing well in the polls right now the liberals are saying that you know the opposition won't let them pass legislation so they want to have an election i guess to get a majority so that they can i don't know rule <laughs> rule over all of us i don't know it doesn't sound good the way we're putting it rule the world. that's pretty much it so they need they need 170 seats in order to get a majority government and they're projected to maybe get 173 um, if we have an election now. So I guess that's why they want to do it. What Do you think this is a good time for us to be having an election? And I'll start with you for this, Solitaire, since you're the Canadian here. Well, you're an honorary <laughs> Canadian, Dory, but well, I'll start yeah. with you, Solitaire. I, I guess uh, I will say uh, I have to give it a, a two-prong answer. It is a good, it's good, obviously, clearly good for the Liberals. They're riding a wave of popularity because... People during the pandemic, I feel like, have a very short-term memory because so much changes so rapidly over the past 18 months. Um, But personally, I don't think it's a very good time for an election. There's way, way too much uncertainty with everything else for to to now ask Canadians to now consider the issues. And I mean, what is the really going to be the biggest issue to? to uh to be discussed other than the pandemic especially right now because we're we thought we were kind of out of it now it looks like we're kind of going back just into when it, we thought so... we were out covid pulls us back in covid <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta say it like a like a mad parent that's sure. like oh i can't oh covid right COVID. <laughs> what about you dory do you think it's a a, a bad time for us to be having an election well, I'm mostly concerned with like how people will vote. Like how will people be able to vote? You know, like you know logistically. like okay. Yeah, logistically, how yeah. will people be able to vote? Cuz right now, I I vote in California and we're doing a government recall. Recall Gavin Newsom, and yeah. And so I you know, and I got my ballot and I'm sending it back so it's like, okay, like we can vote by mail, but like in Canada, it's like you what are all the options in terms right. of like again not putting people more at risk? Right, yeah. Um, in terms of gathering together to deliberate on the issues. Yeah, that, that's and wild. then vote. That's wild stuff in Cal I call uh, Gavin Newsom uh, California Bruce Wayne, basically. The- <laughs> That's what I call him. But anyways, that's U.S. politics. That's a whole other thing. But yeah, no, I, I really I really don't think it's a good idea for us to be having an election. And for the same reasons that you're seeing, Dory, as well, too, like how how is the campaign trail going to look like? You, you can't be having rallies. How how are people going to vote? Are people going to want to come out and vote? Are we going to have a lower turnout now because people don't want to come out? And solitaire to your point as well, too. I think they are betting on people having a short-term memory because people are not remembering, like, Justin Trudeau has had a lot of scandals. Maybe you're happy with how the liberals have been handling the pandemic. But, um, yeah, there was the blackface stuff. People have forgotten about that. Uh, there was also the I whole lie. We Charity scandal, the, the SN Lavalin thing. Like, there were a lot of things that happened over the course of the last couple of years pipelines yeah there's so many so much stuff but people i don't think i think i think they're relying on people having a short-term memory 
yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can't. It, but I mean, to be to be uh, to be reasonable, there clearly is a poll that's saying that most Canadians have, in fact, or like you know, whatever the the people who are in favor of the Liberal parties right now have, in fact, clearly forgotten or they it, those issues are non-starters for them like right. i mean it's, or it's not it, they're non-issues for them so you know it's uh but what are the options though <laughs> yeah that's what i'm looking at well that's always the issue yeah right? and it's people voting strategically because they're trying to keep the conservatives out of power so even though they may want to vote NDP, they tend to vote liberal just to keep, you know, Aaron O'Toole from being prime minister. But let's let's talk about these issues. So there are okay. five issues. And uh, before the show started, I had Dory write down her list of um, what order she thinks they're important. But let's just talk about I'll just give you them in order of alphabetical order for everyone at home. If you have a pen and paper and you want to write them down and then you can put them in order of what's important to you. And then you can see how your results you know, line up with how Canadians are feeling about this, according to a poll. So the issues are affordability and cost of living, climate change, COVID-19 pandemic, the economy, and healthcare. And I'll read it. I'll say it again real quick so you can write them down. But just write them down and then beside it, put a number, one, two, five, one through five. What's most important to you? Put a one for most important and so forth. So affordability and cost of living, climate change, COVID-19 pandemic, the economy, and healthcare. So those are the five top issues that they asked about Canadians and what's most important to them. So I'm going to start with you, Dory. In what order did you put them in terms of what's most important to you? Number one is climate change. Because the report came out and... If you do not recognize the way in which all the other four issues are connected to climate change, uh, then you hadn't done your reading, right? You right. haven't done your reading. Yeah. Um, second, I kind of cheated because it's like affordability and cost of living and the economy are the same thing, right? Like the economy, the problem with the economy is that we That's don't true. have affordability as it relates to the cost of living. Right. <laughs> And then, um, and then third, again, sort of combining it is healthcare and the COVID-19 pandemic <laughs> are the one and the same because, again, because we don't have a good system of healthcare, then we're undergoing wave four of the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay. So, wow. Solitaire, what, what, what order did you put in in terms of what was most important to you? Uh, I can't remember <laughs> what my other order was, but... Uh, don't worry about that. I read the um, affordability, cost of living, number one, pandemic, two, climate change, three, health care, and then the economy. Say that again one more time, real quick. Uh, affordability and cost of living, number one, mm-hmm. pandemic, number two, pandemic, uh, COVID-19, number two, climate change, number three, health care, number four. And economy number five. Okay, so originally, Solitaire, just for you, from the first time we spoke about this on the show, you had healthcare as number two, and now you've dropped it down to fourth on your list. So there you go. Ah. So yeah, because I mean, I guess I guess the pandemic trumps healthcare, but you know, it, 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 in with a brilliant insight from from Dory. They're pretty much intertwined well, that's the, when it comes down to it. That's the thing for me. I, I felt like COVID-19, I, I feel like 
without healthcare, you can't deal with the pandemic, but the pandemic is putting pressure on healthcare. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. which comes first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing. But um, yeah, so let's talk about what Canadians said and what order was important to them. And I, I'm surprised by this list. Number one for Canadians coming in at 31% was healthcare. Okay. Number two, affordability and cost of living came in second at 25%. Climate change came in at three at 24%, followed closely underneath by the economy. And Canadians have the COVID-19 pandemic as last with 20% on their list of what's most important for the top issues. And I'm just surprised by this. I I thought climate change would be higher and I thought COVID-19 pandemic would actually be number one. Although I would say in other regions, like, you know, in Ontario, we've, we've had it really bad. Right. And I think in other regions, like, again, they lock things down, but the, 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 the normalcy that they've been able to maintain is much higher than us here in Ontario. Right. Mm. Right. So I, I think that my, my hypothesis is I think, I think Canadians were looking at they're they're weighing their list based on what's the most achievable instead of what's the most important because I think climate change is such a contentious issue where you literally have people who believe in it and people who don't <laughs> you know people who are, who are like listen the environment and it doesn't matter how much fires and 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 brimstone is is burning down the place they're like oh that's just a you know it's just a brush fire. It's natural. It happens all the time. They're just talking about it now or whatever, whatever, you know, narrative they want to tell themselves. I feel like if we're trying to, you know, figure out uh, what what's the best place to start to kind of help ourselves, I think Canadians, we're so, uh, you know, we're so protective of our healthcare. It just feels like that's the easiest thing to focus on. Right. That's my hypothesis. And I think with climate change, the thing is that if it doesn't directly impact your life, you can't look. People don't have the ability these days, I think, to look down the road to think about what's going to happen in 10 years or 20 years. People are really like microwave attention spans now when it comes to what they're focusing their attention on. When you're trying to tell them, well, if we don't change what's happening today, such and such is going to happen in 50 years, people can't see that far down the road for some reason but is that even 50 years it's yeah. like uh you will not have coffee because the entire force is burning down right now right, right? Yeah. you're not going to have uh your health care is going to go up because food prices uh yeah, yeah. you know and yeah. so uh, so it's a thing where like you know 10 years ago we were talking like what's going to happen 50 years ago it's like no the earth is burning now right yeah and that is affecting you now. You can't breathe because the air is now polluted with right. all of the fire. Yeah. Right? You can't breathe now, today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time I think people are finally going to say, like, yeah, this is the biggest problem, like, especially a couple years ago with the Australian wildfires, mm-hmm. when like, half, it looked like half the continent was on fire, I was like, this is it. This is finally the example that it's going to take to finally show people that we have to take climate change seriously. And I continue to get proven wrong. I, wrong. I continue to get wrong. proven wrong. So I don't, I don't know what more it's going to take. Even the extreme examples we're seeing today, British Columbia is on fire. California is on fire. Greece is on fire. Like all over the planet. Like we're seeing record temperatures. And flooding. 
Yeah. The thing is, you 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 hit the nail on the head when you were talking about that. That most people can't. They can't. Um, Empathy, I, I've said this many times before in my life. I don't know if I've said it on the show, but empathy is a superpower. The ability to put yourself in other people's shoes and other situations to understand. And I think when we relate it to the pandemic and the virus and, and, and why we need to, why we encourage people to get vaccinated is people don't understand like there's a limited capacity. The health system, the healthcare system is not limitless. There's a, there is a breaking point. It can only sustain taking care of so many people. And this virus, it, as you can see, like it doubles whatever the, however they say the spread is like for every one person that gets it, they give it to like one point, like another, whatever, 1.8 people. So it's like, you know what X, exponential growth <laughs> means right and if you have a you know in a city however many like how many emergency room beds do you think that we have and like once those are filled and there's no place to go the exponential growth just you know what i mean and, and i think people when I, I i remember having that conversation with somebody who was like staunch like i don't know all these government regulations and these lockdowns it's communism socialism why they're trying to control us and i and i broke that down for her and it's like you're, you you have to think beyond yourself. And I think it's very hard for people to think about it. Right. And okay, I'm glad you brought up vaccinations. So we're going to pivot now onto just okay. talking about everything that's been going on. We're still avoiding mandatory vaccination for healthcare workers. Uh, Doug Ford is adamant about saying he's not going to have a vaccine passport for Ontario. And it seems like it's inevitable, unavoidable, the whole nine. But let's just dial back a bit because, again, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff that we've already spoken about on the show. But since Dory is here, I wanted to ask Mm -hmm. you, first of all, Dory, do you think it's too personal of a question to ask someone if they've been vaccinated or not? Is that an invasion of privacy? No, Uh, because it's a public health issue. Right. So this is where this is where I think it's like it's about conform informed consent. So for me to be able to interact with you, I need to know the status of your transmittability, right? Your transmittability. Now, again, I can't use that information to discriminate against you in some particular way, but I need to be able to say, I can't hang with you because you might put me at risk. Right. And like I said, I'm in a bubble with somebody who's immunocompromised. So it is literally life and the the answer to that question can mean life or death to another person. Because if I'm carrying something and you didn't tell me, right, then I I didn't wasn't able to consent to interacting with you in whatever way, you know, let's have lunch. And so we have to take off our masks to have lunch. Mm -hmm. And then I could be infecting someone else. Right. Solitaire. I um. I think it's uh, in my on a personal level, it's on a case by case basis. You know, I think Dory put it in a way that makes sense for her situation being in close, constant contact with somebody who is in a life and death situation. For me, it's it's more a matter of um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Once I got vaccinated, I kind of really dropped my guard, not in terms of the way that I, you know, I still wear my mask. I still distance when appropriate if I'm not in my bubble, so to speak. But I... You don't worry as much. 
I don't feel like I, I, I agree that I don't feel like this idea of asking if you're if you're vaccinated or not is an invasion of privacy because personally I don't mind answering the question. Right. You know what I mean? Like I think asking the question is valid in the context of what's going on in the city today. Whether you are you're comfortable or not to answer is a completely different question. And I, I honestly am like, yo, you don't have to answer. I don't, it doesn't matter to me because it, I'm not in the same situation as Dory. So I don't, I, I take it on a case by case basis. Right. Okay. I but know. also I would want to know so I could protect you. Right. Right. So it's like, I might want to, I might be like, okay, I'm, I'm vaxxed and I'm masked and I want to hug you because I haven't seen you in a while, but, and not knowing your situation, right. right. Then I might put you in danger. Right. right. So, Dory, let me ask you for OCAD, what, what is the, the policy for, for what's happening at OCAD? Is it that uh, students have to be vaccinated to be in person on campus for classes coming in the fall? Well, we just made the announcement today, so I can actually answer. So, oh, okay. uh, so you, you are expected to either be vaccinated or you will be testing every week. Right. Invasive, I and I and I find the testing more invasive. Like I've had the nasal swabs, and it's like that. I don't want to ever do that again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing too is that uh, John Tory actually this week he called for a province-wide proof of vaccination system or a vaccine mm-hmm. passport, which, as I alluded to earlier before, Doug Ford has been adamant about not doing that. And um, yeah. Ontario Health Minister Christine Elliott, she's even insisted saying that there will not be a passport system. Uh, put in place here in Ontario. Quebec is even doing it. And I think out in Manitoba, they're doing it as well. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Dory, this as well. Uh, do you feel, because we have we have kind of um, criticized Doug Ford. We've called him Dictator Doug in the past for like, you know, having like kind of an ironclad way of going about doing things. So this time he's having a hands-off approach. Do you feel like the Ontario government is shirking their responsibilities in terms of not issuing a vaccine passport? Or do you think it's like, it's cool for them to say, you know what, let the businesses decide how they want to handle this or not. But do you feel like they're just letting like the universities and the restaurants and the businesses do the heavy lifting or they're doing the right thing? Um, they're doing the wrong thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for me, it's, and part of it has to do with the language. Like, it's like, I'm sorry, I have an immunization record. Like I couldn't do, I can't go to school without having measles, mumps, rubella. I could not travel without a yellow fever card to certain countries or whatever. So the whole idea of this vaccination passport, I don't know. It's like, this is what you like, like, oh, this is like a leisurely thing, right? You need to like, you need a passport to be able to travel. That's like not a necessity. That's like a luxury thing. It's like your immunization record is like, that's your, that is your, public indication that you are not going to kill people because (laughs) you haven't had the proper immunizations right right? and so the whole language around it i'm finding incredibly bizarre because and for so many things we require an immunization record right speaking of language too because they've said having a passport a vaccine passport will divide society i've heard them say that before and i'm like well, I think we're already a divided society as it is already. But um, let me ask you your opinion about that, because I'm glad you brought up the term of like saying like, you know, language matters kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, like, I know some people who cannot get the vaccine because of some of the medical conditions that they have. Mm. Um, 
And so this is where, again, you know, like making sure that there's an option for those people and that you have really good rapid testing and things like that so that they are able to participate in society and not be excluded. Like, I think that is so important right. um, that we take that into consideration. And again, kids under 12 still can't get vaccinated. Right. So so there is that aspect of it. But everything else is really. Um, what's the best way to explain it? Um, with public health. There's a way in which I feel governments have to, um, again, protect the public. Take the lead. Because, yeah, because, you know, yes, individual rights are important, but you also have individual obligations and obligations to each other. And if some people are not focused on their obligations, then that is the role of government to help remind people of their obligations to each other, right? So we pay taxes because it's part of our obligation to each other to provide the commonwealth, <laughs> right? Uh, we, we have road rules to remind us of our obligations to allow others to pass through and not just take over the road in the way we want to. And so with the public health and especially a highly transmittable public health uh, situation, like the government has an obligation to remind people that you um, you have obligations to other to protect everyone, right? And if you are forfeiting that obligation as a government, then you're not doing your job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well said. You know what? I think you have a future in politics. But la- last word to you, solitaire, because we're running out of time. Like, uh, just overall, again, the the notion of a passport, vaccine passport, dividing society or making society more divisive. What do you what do you say to the notion of that? And just if you could. To it real quick. I mean, first, first and foremost, ditto to everything that Dory, <laughs> to, that Dory just said. It's about, and I, I, this is what I explained to my friends. It's like we live in a community. You are by virtue of living and having neighbors, you have to find compromises in ways that you're going to disagree on, but you have to find ways to compromise to live together. And protecting everybody's health is is important. And you know, I will say one of the things that uh, a point I can't remember now where I was reading the article, but they raised the point of like, it's not this is not a passport. It's an immunization record, just like Dory said. This is not like you need this to travel. And what people are, are not understanding is there are options from you have an option to get tested. It's like you can't just say freedom or die. I just want to be able to do whatever I want. You can't poke a needle in me. Because it's my body, my rights, and I can do whatever. I don't have to wear a mask. I don't have to do anything. It's like you can't just have it your way all the way through. You are by virtue of living in society. Like, you know, you have to wear a seatbelt or you're going to get a ticket. Right. Is that oppressive? Right. So, you know, I think it's it's, the government needs to step up. Okay, cool. All right. Well, you know, we're out of time. That's it for politics as usual. Uh, maybe yeah. during the podcast time, we'll talk about the uh, the NHL story a bit. So for all the mm-hmm. podcast listeners, you can look forward to that. Absolutely. And of course, if you're listening to us live and you want to hear what we discussed during the podcast version, you can always go to wherever you wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, all that, and look for hashtag uncensored. Okay. And we got to obviously pay some bills right now. We'll be right back after these messages. If you're listening to us on the radio, stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
For those of you listening to the podcast, stay with us. That went much better than I thought. Okay. Of course, of course. And and Doria, okay. like I I I, I, don't I always know. worry that we're gonna not have enough to talk about. Uh, and there's always there's always plenty. There's yeah, always. Has that ever happened? I don't know, but no, I, I just over prepare just to make it sure. It has never happened. There's been times where we've had conversations that didn't go as well as we thought, but it, we've never like, um, hey. <laughs> we still have three minutes left to, before we're so, done this segment. That's what. I, that's my nightmare. Canada, Sally? That's my nightmare. That is my straight up nightmare that we have like four minutes left and we have nothing left to talk about. And we're just yeah, like, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely find something to talk about. But like, Dory, you... you that is literally the way that I explain it to people. It's like you you can't expect to have neighbors. Like, what if your neighbor's a dick? Who are you going to complain to if your neighbor's like, you know what? Fuck you. I can do whatever I want. This is my pro- within my property line. I'm going to smoke, drink, play loud music. I'm not going to mow the lawn. I'm not going to clean my house. I don't, I'm not going to get rid of the raccoons because I can do whatever I want. Do you want a neighbor like that? So, okay, so let's talk a bit about the NHL thing real quick. Yes. Okay, Okay. so here's the story. Um, So this kid by the name of Logan Mayu, so the Montreal Canadiens, they got roasted online in in the media for drafting this kid who committed an act of misconduct. So what he did was in November 2020, while he was on loan from an Ontario hockey league from the London Knights hockey, like the OHL hockey team, he was playing in Sweden and he was, you know, hanging out socially with a young lady and during a sexual encounter um he uploaded an image of her and he shared it with his teammates and i think in a snapchat or something like that so um he was 17 years old at the time and the team found out about it they fined him two thousand dollars but they let him continue to play in the swedish hockey league so then word got out around the nhl of what happened and uh nhl gms kind of you know said backdoor between you know to each other avoid this kid stay away from this kid he's trouble this and that or whatever so then the nhl just had their draft last week and the montreal Canadiens drafted him and everyone freaked out they said that um one person wrote an article saying that the montreal Canadiens are condoning rape culture or they've legitimized rape culture by drafting this kid and all that stuff and i was like didn't, didn't, didn't justin trudeau comment yep. on it too yeah justin trudeau commented it on as well too so um, real quick, my take on it was that he was 17 years old. He made a bad mistake, terrible mistake. He even withdrew himself from the draft when he heard that the GMs were going to say, you know, don't draft this kid. He was like, you know what? Let me take a year to show you guys that I'm growing in my character and this and that. Now, I don't agree with what he did. Of course, he was wrong. I think the biggest mistake was not punishing him when they caught him the first time instead of letting him continue to play in the league and all that. But I just feel like can he not continue to pursue his dream of playing professional hockey? Like, you know, I understand he made a horrible mistake. Can he not continue to condone for it in some way, but still be able to continue to pursue his dreams? Like, you know, the, for me, this is the part of the cancel culture thing of it that I find to be super toxic is just that why can't someone can make a mistake, but I don't feel like their life should have to end for the mistake per se. And I see you kind of gritting your teeth story so um i'll ask you what's your opinion on it but i just feel like it reminds me of the louis ck thing where after a year of him kind of being you know you know cast out 
you know, he started popping up in comedy clubs again and people were freaking out saying like, you know, how could that comedy club book him? You know, what are they thinking? This and that. And I'm like, well, his, his, he makes a living as a comedian. Like that's what he did. He like, he lost a Netflix show. You know, he obviously wasn't working anymore doing stand up and stuff, but I was like, eventually can he not continue to work and do what he did for a living? Like uh, mm. realizing the mistake he made and, you know, saying it publicly, like, you know, I made a horrible mistake. I'm learning. I'm growing like whatever. So I'm talking too long, but Dory, what's your thoughts on it? So my, my, my position in all of these situations is what has he done to make amends to the person that he has hurt? Because it's not, he didn't make a mistake, right? right? He, uh, without consent, uh, posted an image of an underage girl, probably right to his buddies to kind of like, ha ha ha, look what I, whatever, whatever, whatever that, that men do. And that's part of rape culture. And then, and nowhere in the narrative has it described what he did to make amends. It didn't describe what therapy he went under to help him understand his mistake, right? It doesn't say what restitution he provided back to the a woman who was definitely injured by those actions. So for me, it's a thing where, you know, like, <laughs> again, um, I do believe in restorative justice, but it's the people that you have injured who just define the parameters by which you can be re-embraced by society. And in none of these situations, you know, like, you know, in none of these situations have these people who have victimized other people, like there isn't the story of what they did to, to provide restitution, to make amends, to again, address the injury that they caused to that person. And then that person saying, I feel they've done, they're, they're a different person now. Right. And it's okay for that. Like I've, none of those stories have come out. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Which means they haven't done the work. Probably basically. not. But the, the Montreal Canadians did say that they are working with him and they're putting him in program, all the sort of stuff or whatever, the counseling or whatever it is that you're doing. To, but what else, but the thing know. is you have to look at it. You have to look at it now. Like what else are they going to say? They right. already signed him. <laughs> you have to make you have to find some way to make it to make it look good or but explain way. Can it not be genuine that they were really like, you know what, this kid like they can see whatever his talent for hockey or whatever, but they said we'll work with him to make sure that he's got his head on straight because you know, like again, I And we'll give twenty percent of his salary to this young woman that he injured. Something, anything like that. Like whatever the punishment is or whatever it is that you want to do in terms of him making his restitution, do it. But can he still not be allowed to pursue his dream of playing hockey? Can is well, that should that be taken away from him? Yes. Yeah. Unless he's made restitution. Oh, sure. Okay. Which again and if they're helping him make restitution because he's just signed this contract, he's not making restitution. I don't think the he's signed anything yet. The organization is think trying they, to justify the... I think they just drafted him, but I don't think he's signed any contracts mm-hmm. yet or anything. But just the, the drafting alone was enough to create the fear, right, of the public and all that stuff and everything. And I was like, I still feel like cancel culture needs to grow and evolve to make room for second chances. I, Except I think, again, it's like it's it's you, it's you wanting this person to have this dream that's giving the second chance, right? Again, it's not the person who is injured giving the person the second chance because that's okay. the only person who has any say as to whether or not this person has a second chance. Oh, okay, 
Hmm, I know. I, 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 you know, it, it's it's such an interesting thing, and I'm glad you brought up the concept of restorative justice because the idea is the victim sits with the offender and they hash it out. And I think that it is it is very clear. Anybody who, you know, I, I, I would say, especially for people who work in like community and restorative justice and are doing that kind of work, it's, it's, it's really very clear that if somebody apologizes, like even just taking it out of context of that, if an apology means nothing without changed behavior right. at the end of the day. So I think there has to be a demonstration of here's what I'm doing. Like, and, you're, right. and you're right. Even, even with all the stories, I'm a person, you know, I work with, I work with the FU project. The F stands for forgiveness. That is at the core of what we talk about. Even the most heinous offenders, whatever, violent crimes, sexual crimes, the, the, the philosophy is everybody at some point deserves to have some form of forgiveness. But in that forgiveness, one of the most important things is accountability. Right. And you have to demonstrate that. So I think that cancel culture as a whole has gone overboard because this people just want to cancel people for ridiculous stuff. But uh-huh. in the case where somebody has demonstrated that they've done a wrong, it is your responsibility to sh- to demonstrate accountability and paint like you know giving making sure that the person who you who you harmed is a part of that process. I, I agree with that. That that demonstrates accountability, and that's an important part of the process that you cannot skip over with pr you know you can't you can't disguise that you can't decorate it okay that's cool all right so now for music what are we doing here we got to do a little back behind the scenes chat here like because we haven't talked about how we're no, gonna we tackle music. music yeah we've so we've got a bunch of music Drake stories. versus <laughs> well, okay. versus we just did you watch it did you watch the verses no, I didn't watch no. it. I know I was saying Drake versus Kanye. Yeah, who's well, gonna oh, yeah. come out first? We oh, yeah. we don't even know whose album did come out first. They're not. They're not. Neither of them are out yet. They're okay. both, They're both looking at each other like. You are you drive? coming out? Okay. Out? So, do you want me to just it's take? So ridiculous. Do you want me to just take the lead with music then, since um. I kind I of filled out most of it, or no? Yeah, yeah. Take the take the lead. I, I, you know, obviously, I can talk on all of this, all of the music stories. Okay. Cool. Cool. I, okay. Like, so, well, yeah. All right. So let's get oh, wait, started. So we're not going to talk about R. Kelly? That's a nice segue into cancel. Well, no, we're absolutely going to talk about Yeah, R. that's R. the Kelly. first thing we're going to talk about. Okay. <laughs> that is the first 100%. thing. 100%. Okay, but there, what is there to say? Well, we'll see what you say, but I don't think there's much to say about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I want to hear what Dory has to say. Okay. Well, I assume she's going to say cancel that guy. <laughs> I'm for, I'm for sure. I, how how do you cancel somebody who's already been canceled? Recancel them? Like over cancel them? Like double cancel them? Well, let's know. let's explore that in music news. <laughs> right. so, okay, so um, you can start whenever. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the program. You are tuned in, dialed in, locked into the greatest conversation on the planet. You are locked into hashtag right here on Vibe 105. Yours truly solitaire, DJ Ready Fox. No Better Nina is away and will be back with us next week. But we've got a special, special guest who is joining us for for this week's episode, Dr. Dory Tunstall. And we're going to go into some music news. Welcome, Dory Dory. Uh, And I would definitely highly, highly, highly 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 advise you if you are inclined to listen to podcasts you're going to want to listen to the podcast version of this, of this show because we the discussions that we have in the uh, during the commercial segments 
are, you know, think uh, it's important, pretty important details that we're going over. We're halfway through the show. How are you feeling, Dory? Are you enjoying it? I am feeling good. All right. I could do this all day. Nice. Hey, Excellent. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. That's why you're one of our favorites. That's why we keep you coming back. Um, now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our music news segment. There is so much music news. We're probably not going to get all the way through it. But Ready Fox, I will follow your lead on this one. Okay. We are ready to go. All right. Well, there's again, there's a lot of stuff we got to talk. We're going to talk about verses. We have, we have to talk about Dipset and the Locks. Um, it, it's such a legend. People are still talking about it after all this time. But we're going to start with R. Kelly. Um, we were kind of talking about cancel culture during the podcast time, during the commercial break for everybody listening on the radio right now. And um, yeah, after two years, his trial finally began this week. Um, so, you know, his trial on sex trafficking charges, it began um, this week with the jury selection process taking place after a series of delays. Um, this is two years now after he was originally arrested uh, for the crimes. And it's expected that more information about his marriage to Aaliyah um, will be brought up during the trial, as well as um, just a reminder for everyone that he was married, R. Kelly was married to uh, Aaliyah in 1994. She was 15 years old, and he was 27, and we all collectively looked the other way, unfortunately. Uh, yep. And I, I yes. own that myself as well, too, because I remember it at the time, but I didn't really think much of it because I was jamming to back and forth. <laughs> I, I was jamming to back and forth. So. Can I can Go I ahead. defend myself and say I really like I I didn't really know. I didn't really know. I'd heard kind of stories, but when you're just getting into like I was just learning about the music industry and it, you just hear a bunch of stuff that I was kind of like I just tried to sift through the noise. So I, I I didn't really definitively know that she was 15 and I didn't even know how old R. Kelly but, was. But we I don't remember at the time, especially when Back and Forth first came out, that they were together per se it looked to me like a you know a guy mentoring a new r&b artist coming up kind of thing but i think shortly afterwards the story started coming out that they were actually dating on all that and honestly i really didn't think about it that much at the time what what was it from your expect perspective dory um i wasn't i didn't i didn't really engage until i was much older right <laughs> So I didn't know anything about it. Like, I didn't know anything about it until I was much older. And then I was just like, oh. Right. Yeah. But, you know, but I guess my thing is, is that, and, and this is this is what we have to say about, like, the culture, right? So it, I say our culture and our communities, right? Because it's like, it wasn't, you know, unusual to have, you know, 16, 15-year-old girls dating older men at in my community, like in my community, my right. neighborhood, in my friends, right? Um, it was, I remember when I was 15, like I had to cut my hair off and, and dress in male drag because I had all these older men, like older, older men, always like trying to step up to me, hmm. right? Wow. So it's one of those things, it's like, it's not, you know, it's like to hear the news is not shocking because there's, there's some work that needs to be done, you know, like in the in the community in that way. Mm -hmm. um, Do you think it's improving? I th I think there's there's more accountability. I I think that young people have more people who are willing to protect them in a way that let's say others may have felt unprotected. And definitely, I think one of the things I think is really positive that's going to come out of this. 
um, and has come out of this, like with the documentary, is that I think people are not going to turn as much of a blind eye when they see that happening, right? right. Like you, you see already on social right. media where if some older dude is stepping up to a young girl, like people in the community being like, no, no, you step away from her, <laughs> leave baby girl alone, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we're more aware and more protective of each other in, in the communities. And, and and helping young women better navigate all that attention, right? That gets forced upon them. Let me ask yeah. both of you, start with you, Solitaire. Um, will you be following this trial closely, like as the as new developments come out uh, day by day, especially if there's more details about his marriage to Aaliyah, will you be uh, paying attention? Um, let me think about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I will not be paying. I, I, I don't need to hear any more about that trial i'll just wait for for the result of it because i think at this point i've seen and heard enough i'm not in for i'm not in for the i'm a i'm it's well documented i'm somebody who likes to watch the train crash i I will Mm. say that but this is one train that i've seen crash already and i'm like just be done with it and 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 you know let him move on and and hopefully learn and heal from this from this experience right what about you Dora? are you gonna follow this trial no i already saw it in boondocks <laughs> yes yeah classic episode classic episode by the way and you know what actually i'm glad you brought that up though because a lot of people will still say that you know what despite everything that he's done oh. they will still listen to his music still like pump his music and yeah. you know celebrate in a way celebrate him like it is can you separate the art from the man and what he's done, what we know that he's done, or is it does it get too tainted for you to even enjoy the music that we once enjoyed? I can't, and it's painful because, like you know, like you know, like for example, you know, like the the new version of um, you know, like I like for example, one of my favorite songs is "I Believe I Can Fly," and and I can't, I love that song, Everyone and I did, can't yeah. listen to it. Like, I can't listen to it. And Space Jam number two came out. So then you're thinking about Space Jam number one. Right. And I was just like, shut it down, shut it down. You can't celebrate. You can't listen to it because like it's, yeah, the whole experience of him and and the music is so tainted, right? Because it's so deep. I don't know. It's so deep. I don't know how people cannot separate it in terms like especially an album like 12 play where it's already so sexual. The music is in and of itself. Like it takes on a whole new meaning now knowing all the stuff that he's like, yeah, you, you're getting the heebie-jeebies <laughs> from it. Right. So it's like, I don't understand how people can still say, well, the music's still so good. You know, I don't, you know, whatever he did in life, I can still enjoy his music. I'm like, how can you enjoy listening to 12 play now? Like, I don't get it. So solitaire. Are you able to separate the, the music from the artist and what they've done in real life versus their their catalog of music we once enjoyed you know I'll, I'll give it i'll put it to you like this with bill cosby i can with r kelly i can't mm. bill cosby because the when you when you watch the show and if you don't have 
the context. I mean, obviously everybody has the context of Bill Cosby and what he's done, but I mean, like in terms of what it would mean to like young people seeing a positive black professional family, right? that's an important, that was one of the most important representations of black people on television at the time. R. Kelly was singing about, you know, you remind me of my Jeep. I want to ride you. You know what I mean? Like it's cover your children. You could say it was great music. Now that you, and for me, for me personally, like doing the work that I do and like all the women that I work with um, have had an experience, whether it was not like whether it went to like criminal charges or whether it was just personal life experiences of dealing with abusive men and you hear about the story of r kelly and then to me the music is completely tainted i cannot listen i mean i believe i could fly is something that at least it's it's reminiscent to me of like bill cosby because that's the one of the few songs where he's actually saying something that's a little bit more meaningful that we can all kind of tap into less provocative you know you remind me of my sound i want to bump it which was great at the time. Cover your ears, children. It was it was great at the time when it was like it it was grown folks music. Remember right. that's supposed to be grown folks music, right? Now that it have the perspective of it, you know. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to the uh, the next story, and we'll we'll see what happens. Um, It'll be a while, I think, before we get a verdict in terms of that trial. Who knows? Or maybe oh, they're gonna they're gonna drag that out. You know how much commercials, they're, the money they're gonna make from advertising oh, and commercials. That's and... gross. That's gross. Anyways, that's... all right. So, hip hop, legendary, history, crazy, locks, dipset, slaughteration. <laughs> it was crazy. And so, first of all, let's make it clear. There's no beef between the Locks and uh, Dipset. Um, they actually announced that they're going to be doing a joint tour together. Um, they announced it before the actual versus battle, but they said we're going to go on tour, Lockset and Dipset tour. Um, this Styles P was talking to um, to Angie Martinez, like they spoke to her before they went and did the versus show, and they said it's going to be sick. It's going to be in September, so we can look okay. out for that. And it's going to be even; those are going to be hot tickets now, especially for what happened. Uh, during the versus battle. So now, Dory, you didn't watch it. Solitaire, you did watch it. I sh- multiple times. You've watched it multiple times. Have you ever multiple watched the versus multiple times before? It's the first time I've watched the versus multiple times. This is times. the first but, time I mean, I've even watched the versus. It, it was the first time you watched you, it? Well, you were watching it, and I just happened to be around you when you were watching <laughs> it. So I kind of watched it while you were watching it, too. But... Um, a secondhand I, viewer? Something like, yeah, I got secondhand <laughs> viewership. But um, the thing is that, you know, I've never, like, vers- I like the concept of Versus, and I always thought it should be the way it was with Dipset and Locks, like an actual battle, like, you know, and they described it as getting chippy with each other and everything. But most of the Versus have all been just love fests. Like, the first thing I think of Jill Scott and um, Erica Badu's, like, that okay. was the most lovey of love fests at all. But, but it's never amazing. really, like, the competitive... Yeah. battle type thing that I think of when I think of something called versus. So yeah. first of all, Solitaire, what was your impression of the show? And I'll ask you, does it make it better when it's kind of competitive versus the love fest Listen, atmosphere? Let me, just cut you, let me cut you off right there and say a hundred percent. Yes, of course. And hi- this is hip hop, but this is hip hop. This is what it was like. And you're in the mecca of hip hop, just like Jadakiss said. Oh man, this I have I have so many so many notes. Dory, are you are you 
you didn't watch it, but do you know their music? Like, are you filming? No, and that was the thing where it's like, I'm so out of hip hop, right? Um, like, this is the thing where it's like, I have like no hip hop cred at but all. Are you now interested in listening to the locks now that this has happened? Well, like, I feel like I have to for the culture. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank, thank goodness the Smithsonian has released like the authoritative, you know, catalog right. on hip hop because now I feel like I have to go study. Right. Yeah. Like academically, all of this to understand what was going on. Right. And oh, side note man. before you continue, Solitaire, Jada Kiss's uh, streaming numbers went up 200% after the verses. The, that's course. the kind of stuff you see after an artist passes away. Like it, it was so. It, we were watching a classic, legendary hip hop moment happening right before our eyes, almost like watching the Source Awards from like 95 all over again kind of thing. It was like that for the culture type. Thing. So, what was your impression of it, and do you want to see more combative versus in the future, solitaire? Com- combative, if it's if it was done the way that Dipset and the Locks did it, like gentlemen, they they said, "Listen, we under- This is a stage. We are hip hop. We are we are the culture. We are a representation, and we are setting an example for the next generation." Right, but. We're in New York and we're at Madison Square Garden. Right. And these are our people like, you know, Uptown or from Yonkers. They're from Harlem and there's people from all the five boroughs here. You're in New York. You that's that is what you expect. And Jada Kiss and Sheik Luch and Styles showed up and they <laughs> they personified hip hop. Right. In that in that show. And not to say that like the dipset did as well, but you know, I, I spoke to shouts out to my brother from another mother, Cypher Sounds. Uh, we had a like an hour long conversation because he's like, You don't understand if you're not from New York, right? There's certain references in there that you're not even it's gonna go way over your head. Like, yeah. there was a point in time where where Jada was like, Yo, why y'all rapping over the lyrics, right? This is pop, we're in New York, and Cam was like, Yo, this ain't SOBs, <laughs> and most people be like. SOB, son of a, like, why, why, right. what is that? But SOBs is a legendary underground hip hop performance venue in New York okay. City okay. where it's like all the, like, the spitters, the, like, the lyricists. It was like Cut their all teeth. underground shows. Like, it was yeah. a small club. You know, what would be the equivalent of the, of like SOBs in Toronto? But uh, I can't even think of maybe like revival. Like, it's a, it's, okay. it's a smaller venue, but like, every legendary artist has performed there. Right. So that reference was like, it might go over your head. But when I heard that I was dying, cause he's like, yo, I don't, we're not, I don't care about rapping. Right. Over right. There. I'm Cameron. I'm fly. So, so many little notes like that. But I, I think that uh, you're, you are right that the branding of verses for, especially for us that are like from the West Indian culture, understanding like sound clash. Yeah. The expectation was completely different. And I think this this verses and the one with Jeezy and Gucci Mane were probably the closest example of a of a real battle. Right. Yeah, that's what I want to see. Battle. That that would actually make me more interested in watching versus if it was more like an actual com- competition to see who wins, like who wait, who wins each round, who wins overall at the end of the night, and all that stuff. But um, again, this is probably the most rewatched, talked about versus of, in history out of all oh, the man. verses so far. So it's definitely give it a shot in the arm. So there'll definitely be more interest. 
Now, for a dream versus for people, I think would be Drake versus Kanye. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I actually think that would be a dream versus for people. Does that seem like a fair matchup, Kanye versus Drake? Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Dory. Really? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I just feel like. It seems pretty evenly matched. Really? I think so. I just feel like. Kanye operates at such a different level. Oh, I wasn't expecting you to say that. How so? Um, well, okay, like, Drake is very, in some ways, like, popular music. Mm-hmm. And again, like, um, Kanye writes music, has music that is popular, but he is not popular music. <laughs> <laughs> I understand exactly what you're saying. Like right. there's a there's a risk, there's a level of risk that risk. I feel like he takes that like and I again, agree, not 100%. to say that Drake doesn't take risks, but it's like Drake knows where his lane is. I don't and he think knows he, if he hits that lane. I don't think he does take fine. risks. I really mm-hmm. don't not with his music, I really don't think he like for me, views I always think of views. That's the album I was expecting him to take the most risks on in terms of he was reaching a level of you know his stardom where he was getting to the point where he didn't have anything left to prove to people so i was expecting a growth from him as an artist but it was just more of the same stuff that he's done in the past which people love obviously and no one can tell drake that he's not doing the right thing in terms of what's best for his career but mm-hmm. i'm saying like that's the one thing that i as much as whatever i feel about kanye outside of his music he at least takes chances yeah. tries different things it may not always work, but at least he's not, you know, doing just the same old thing that's worked for him in the past, which I kind of feel that Drake does pretty much all the time. Not yeah. to say that, again, who's to tell him he's wrong? No mm-hmm. one's to tell him he's wrong. But the reason why I bring up Drake and Kanye is because we're still waiting for both of their albums right now. Some people are actually speculating that Kanye is trying to hold off on sending, putting out his album because he wants to put it out the same time that Drake is putting out his <laughs> album. And this kind of feels reminiscent of when he went up against 50 Cent um, when they were coming out with their albums at the same time. You remember that, right? Yeah. 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 So um, people are feeling like Kanye is doing this on purpose now. Do you put any stock into the speculation that Kanye keeps putting off, putting out his album? Because technically he was supposed to put his album out yesterday. The last date that we had for a release date for Kanye's Donda album was August 13th, which was yesterday. And I'm pretty sure it probably didn't come out. So... You know, we'll see about that. And people are still waiting for Drake's certified Loverboy album. So do you yeah. put any stock into the speculation that Kanye may be trying to hold off putting it out because he wants to wait until Drake says when he's putting out his album so that he can go up against him? Face-to-face, one-to-one, and Kanye wants to win. Because for him, I feel like for him, it's a thing where it's like, okay, he's he's had a lot of loss lately, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a thing where, like, to win... To win the battle of music over Drake, like that for him would put him back into feeling better about himself, feeling better about what he's oh, doing. That might be. And and I love, you know, like I love like he's going, he's all like all over the place with, again, previewing it with people, getting a sense of like what people are vibing to and whatever to kind of figure out like how, how is it going to resonate with people? Right. How it's going to resonate with people. So all the listening parties and things that are going on is just I you know, it's very clever. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Kanye is very clever. And 
very competitive. <laughs> and you know, again, he wants to be he wants to be he wants to be number one again. He wants to be number one. Solitaire, do you put do you put any one. stock into this speculation that he's trying to set up a an album battle with Drake? <laughs> um yes. You do, eh? Okay. Yes. I thought you were gonna say no yes. to be honest with you, but go on. Why do you I, say yes? Because, man, he's He's a nut. He's a nut. <laughs> He's an artistic nut. He's a gene, and that comes with the territory of genius. And you know, we we can get into the argument. Some people are like, "Oh, he's not a genius." Blah blah blah. Right. I personally ascribe to Kanye West has been a genius because he's been able to recreate a success in in various iterations, not just sticking to one thing, and right. you know, and not just in one artistic discipline, like. You can say what you want, but he's achieving at a very high level on various fronts. And that is that is an indication of genius to me. And but I will say that I think on both parts, it's I mean, they're they're competing in rarefied air as far as like, you know, they're both you know, whatever. Kanye's a billionaire. Drake is on his way to Drake is destined to be a billionaire. He'll be a billionaire for sure. No, it's a 100 percent like it's 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 in the cards. So it's like they're their competitiveness is at a level that I cannot comprehend, but looking at it, it's just high level insecurity because to me, (laughs) in my my head, I'm like, yo, in, in either camp, either I'm Drake or I'm Kanye in my head. I'm like, yo, I'm dropping today. I'm who my name is my name. Right. I mean, like I'm not at that at a certain point, this obsession with being number one to me is, it's hip hop, but my Does, my evolution as a person, it's like number one is not really the goal for me. It's 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 winning hearts and minds and changing the world in 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 meaningful ways. Right. But does, being the, number one, the being the number one rap artist, from my perspective, like the competition for that is frivolous. Do so you, I don't, I, I don't relate to it. Does it, does an album battle even make sense in a digital landscape that we're playing in today? Like I get it for when it was back in the day and people actually had to physically go to stores to buy CDs and all that stuff. Exactly. So you could really get a real metric for who outpaced who or whatever, but does it make, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me for to have a, an album battle in this digital landscape. Am I wrong in that? Or what are your thoughts? No, on that? you're not wrong. I mean, you're right. You're right. You're right. Definitely right. Okay. Right. And, the, and the, guess what? They're both going to sell millions. Right. Gajillions. <laughs> okay. And, and then one camp is going to like, they're going to doctor it to say that they won. And the other side is okay. going to say we won because yeah, whatever. We're almost out of time, but real quick. Wow. Um, I just want to ask you guys this dude, because Beyonce pretty much changed the game. Like this whole thing, this is a new thing for the last 15 years or so in the music industry where there's no more release set dates and people are just throwing out albums whenever they want to. And Beyonce really kicked that off with, yep. you know, her. But again, I feel like that's something that only an A-list artist can really get away with. So I wanted to ask you, do you feel like that kind of, messed up the game somewhat because i kind of liked it back in the day when you knew you know a set date so-and-so's releasing their album and then there's a big lead up to it and then the album comes out now it's like it's just whenever they feel like doing it is this better for the game or worse for the game real quick we only have a minute solitaire sure me i think i I think it's bad i think it's great i think it's it's a different level of excitement because the anticipation 
uh, or the the suspense of like, is he going to drop it? Is he not going to drop it? And then when they drop it and you wake up the next morning and it's like, it's a whole energy across the internet when you're dealing with levels of artists like Beyonce and Drake and Kanye. I I think it's, I think it's great for the game. What about you, Tori? I mean, I think it's a thing where, um, where again, before you had to let people know it was coming because they had to save up money. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Facts. Right. <laughs> and now, now it's a thing where it's like I, you know, I can find that one song for one ninety nine ninety nine or whatever. Just keep it rolling on, you know, Spotify or title or whatever. So in that sense, that you know, like giving people that pre warning, like anything, if you're big enough where like your name is a first name basis, right? Anything you drop, you at least know a bunch of people are going to to be there with you. Right? right and so it doesn't matter when it doesn't matter where it doesn't matter how no one has to save up money to do it because right. they're already anticipating that i'm going to support you regardless right okay cool well that's it for music news and i'll yeah. turn it back over to you solitaire i appreciate that that was a great discussion we didn't even get to the tory lane's discussion because no. that was a whole other thing and what he just did with his nft album that he released and sold a million in under one minute yeah it's crazy but um we don't have time for that if you want to hear that conversation, maybe we'll touch on it in the podcast. You can follow us at hashtag Vibe105 and hashtag Uncensored for the podcast version anywhere that you listen to podcasts. But that is our music segment for today. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to us on Vibe105, continue to stay tuned. We will be back after these messages. If you're listening to the podcast version, stay with us. Yeah, did you did you hear about that story, Tory Lanes? Yeah, but I, I thought he was canceled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought so too. Is, but you know, he's a. I'll tell you, man. One of the most twisted things about hip hop is it doesn't mean the same thing within the hip hop community because there's staunch supporters of Tory Lanez, men and women, right? Who were not canceling. Yes, I mean the fact that he sold a million copies of his. Mind you, he sold it for a dollar. And there's people who apparently bought like multiple copies of it, but he sold, he made a million dollars in a, under a minute selling this album, this NFT album with, I think when it's dark, is when it, it's called, too. it's called when it's dark and it's sold as an NFT. Yeah. Yeah. It's sold as an <laughs> NFT because of the art. Cause that's, I mean, NFT understanding NFTs is a whole other thing because it's, I can explain you, it. You, the mute, you can explain it. Of course. Oh, break it down. But my break thing it. is like I thought the whole purpose of an NFT is that it's supposed to be rare of five. Right, but right? here's the thing though, like he again, genius on him to be able to sell a million in under a minute, but he could have put out only ten of them, right? And they'd be the only ten that would be out there available for people. Now he can keep it valuable by not releasing any more of it. Even a million copies to put out is not a lot considering how many people can actually things, yeah. get a copy of it, right? So what so an NFT is just a non-fungible token which is like, you know, in a digital thing that's one of a kind type thing or something that can only be had in that one thing that you can't duplicate it. Once you have it, you can only sell it to somebody else or you know, that's it kind of thing, right? So not only did he sell the, those million copies of his album as an NFT, but he's letting the fans that bought the album be allowed to resell it to other people. So now someone could have bought his album for a dollar, which he was selling it for, and sell it back to somebody else for a hundred bucks. And as long as he doesn't re-release any more copies of it, and there's only that million copies that's out there, the value of them go up. 
they go mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Like it's, I think it's genius. I actually, I'm not saying I'm a Tory Lanez fan per se, but what he's doing with this, mm-hmm. I think it's gonna revolutionize the game. Uh, it it already has. I promise you that. And I mean, mind you, he's not the first, but this is just definitely. I think it's definitely it's, it's the so biggest, smart. most mainstream example. But the key factor, I think, because when they talk about the token, it, it's a weird thing because you can. There's people who own like a certain GIF or sorry, GIF. Uh, there's people who own like an image that has become, you know, ubiquitous across the Internet. But you own the original digital copy of the first time it was ever posted. And it's a weird kind of shift of mentality to say, but I can just look at this. I can Google it right, right. now and look at this image what is the value in owning it? And it's, it's really, that's what the part that fascinates me because it's it's not the music that sold. It's the fact that it's sold with the artwork. That's, that's the token because it has to be something physical that comes with it. But the music is an MP3. That's the physical thing that you're getting too. Like you're getting seven original songs. You can stream it. You can stream it. But what if, but what if he chooses not to make it available for streaming? Like we don't know what he's planning on doing with those seven songs. Like he might've recorded 21 songs and said, here's seven songs that is exclusive for an NFT purchase only. And then he can put out the album with 14 other songs that don't include right. those seven songs that someone mm-hmm. bought. Right. You know what I mean? But I'll tell you, I'll tell you the one thing though, the one thing that digital will never be able to solve is once a signal, an, once an audio signal becomes analog, it can be duplicated. <laughs> so somebody will find a way to convert it and stream it and bootleg it it's just it just is what it is but i mean that's that's technical and it's there's, not, but there's no there. getting around that whatsoever no, but yeah, yeah, people but that's you're hurting yourself now if if suppose he only put out 50 copies of this album yeah. you're not helping yourself he, by he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't do it but whoever bought it might do it yeah but that's <laughs> but i'm saying the person that bought it what i'm saying to them is that you're hurting yourself now by making it available for other people because if he again the lower the number if you're one of the 50 people in the world that has this album you why would you make it available for anybody else to get it you want to hold on ready fox you're smart you're smart i'm just saying it's genius it's and the thing is that it's so for the artists like the drakes and kanye's of the world if drake decides to record one song and only make it available for an nft purchase how much do you think he could sell that one song for five million yes Yes. If someone out there says, I'm the only person that has a copy of this MP3 song that Drake recorded and he made it available for purchase auction and an NFT auction or something like that, he could sell one song for $10 million, $15 million, because the whole point of it is that that person is going to be like, I'm the only person that owns this Drake song. No one else can listen to it anywhere else. What now? What if? Genius. Like A question before. I mean, I know we're, we're, we're short on time. Yeah, but question. What if, like, do you get to audition? Do you get to hear the song before you buy it? No. Because what if you buy it and you're like, yo, this sucks. <laughs> so what? You're, you're not, this is where, so what I think NFT does, right, is that it turns it into valuable commodities. So yeah. it almost doesn't matter what it is. What's important is what's going to be the future resale value of this because it is rare and precious. So you can name your price in a way that if it's all 
there for everyone right. you can name only a lower price and this going back to the picture thing now suppose drake takes pictures of himself in the studio while he's recording his album and he only makes those pictures available for purchase as an nft again people will buy them like again the popularity of the artist will drive the sales obviously but you know i'm sure the lower end artists will figure out ways to profit off of doing this kind of stuff as well too mm-hmm. right like you're cutting out the middleman for distribution and the whole nine and I don't know if other artists will do what Tori is going to do and let their art, the people that buy the album resell it. But I think that's another genius part of it. So I don't Right. Know. And for me, that's the, the most interesting part of the NFT is actually the fact that the that there's a portion of the resale value that always goes back to the original artist. Right. So that's why, like, we're excited about NFTs at, at OCAD because that's always the problem is that, like, again, I could buy a piece of artwork from a, a bunch of students for $1,000. I sell it, you know, $5,000, $10,000 later. What's the mechanism by which they get some profit off of that, right? So with an NFT built into that system is already the resale value goes back to the artist. That's amazing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the future. It's, it's part of the future. Like it's, it's just a fabricated way of people making money. But again, if you're rich and famous or you're just famous, famous is enough now, I think for you to be able to profit off of it. You don't necessarily, you'll become rich, get the fame, (laughs) which is unfortunately that that's what people do, whatever it takes to get famous these days, regardless but yeah. get that fame first and the money usually follows after. But we are pressed for time. We have one segment left to go. Um, ready. Thanks again, Dory, for doing this, hanging yeah. out with us. And uh, Solitaire, you can start whenever you want. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Hashtag right here on Vibe 105. Don't forget to, don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend that you can follow us, support us, listen to us, obviously right here on Vibe 105 every Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at hashtag Vibe 105. You know, engage with us. We always, always are happy to hear from you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our segment to show support for small businesses and in particular, small or midsize or even better, huge Black-owned businesses, it's time for BOSS, Black-owned Spotlight, which is our weekly spotlight on Black-owned businesses and outstanding members of the Black community. If you know anybody that you believe deserves to be highlighted as a part of our Black-owned Spotlight segment, hit us up at hashtag Vibe105, send us a DM, slide in the DM. And you owe Nina 10% for the BOSS title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. I'm happy to give it to him. Dory, you know what he used to call the segment? What? He used to call it what? Hashlights. 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 Yeah. No. Horrible, right? Hashtag hashlights, spotlights, hashlights. No? No. Yeah. See? There you go. There you go. And then Nina came up with boss. Black owned spotlight. So much better. Anyways. You're supposed to be on my side. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Today's black-owned spotlight, ladies and gentlemen. I, oh man, uh, I literally had the opportunity to go by this young man's new space the other day, and he, the owner, it, himself is such individually is his story, his persona, um, his attitude, his energy is amazing. I'm talking about Matthew Romeo. And I'm talking about his company, My Dope 
T. Ladies and gentlemen, a round of applause for today's Black-owned Spotlight. He founded My Dope Tea to help creative entrepreneurs bring their design ideas to life using custom apparel and advanced technologies. Uh, to quote directly from Matthew, I honestly love seeing the smile on our customers' faces when we help them bring their creative ideas to life. This is just one of the many reasons we, that we do what we do. And he now has, uh, he's diversified. He is growing, he's expanding and has opened a new location to serve uh, the community better for their their print needs for t-shirts and sweaters and anything that you would need to get graphic design printed on. Uh, he opened a new location at Spadina and Adelaide. All right, and nice. it's such an amazing space and his his mindset is you know one of the things that he does is he provides opportunities for uh, for people who need to rate to do fundraisers to be able to partner with him to produce t-shirts to sell to help raise funds for whatever charitable causes he's always on the on the lookout for supporting and mentoring young people looking for ways to employ young people one of the reasons that he created this location for my dope tea is so that he can find means to employ young people coming up and provide a, a great space, a creative space for entrepreneurs to come there and, you know, see their designs come to life. It's really an incredible thing that this inspirational young man is doing. The website is mydopet.com. T spelled T-E-E, like tee-hee, like Dory tee-hee. <laughs> My dope tea. Uh, they do custom. They do custom designs on T-shirts, on on socks, on masks, on hats. They have a variety of different printing methods that are available. Their turnaround times are incredible. The quality of the prints are, you know, it's it's un it's unreal how fast and how high quality he's able to turn around these T-shirts. I I went there. I was like, yo, I have an idea for a T-shirt. He's like, let's try it. And five minutes later, I had. A T-shirt. I'll show it to you guys later, but without going into uh, you know, without can't show it on the radio. The, yeah, you can't show it on the radio, but you have to look to the podcast, the video podcast, or or, or check us out on Instagram at hashtag vibe one hundred five. But yes, mydopet.com. If you are an up and coming fashion designer or a T-shirt designer, or you're looking to create a a, t- a custom T-shirt for your bowling or your your choir, your your, your 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 baseball team definitely go and support this young man matthew romeo my dope tea today's black owned spotlight nice nice yeah man i i i went and i shot a little video when i went down there to kick it with him and see the new space and man i, I what can i say about matthew he's he's an incredible young man dory have you ever have you heard about or come across matthew romeo i think you might have hey. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I and I follow on social media and, yeah. you know, Adelaide and Spadina, that's my hood. So now I need to go down by the shop. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's it's a, it's a great space. And, you know, we were just talking about the importance of, of the energy that you put out to people because he's somebody that has been taken advantage of. And, you know, people have under underestimated him or, you know, written him off and. I've just been around his energy. In a lot of ways, he reminds me of you. Like he's always super positive and super motivated. And we're sitting in this place and he's like, yo, how did I get here? How did I do this? (laughs) And I'm like, yo, man, because, because you are who you are. Like sometimes the energy that you put out 
it may not come back from that person. You feel like, oh, I wasted my time doing this and trying to help people, but it comes back in other ways. And this was a huge manifestation for him. And I'm just proud to to be able to go there and, and what he's creating. So shouts out to nice. Matthew Romeo. Wicked. Shouts out to my dope team. And now, ladies and gentlemen, and it's time for hashtag sports. I feel like, Dory, you're going to have a lot to contribute to this segment. Okay. No. <laughs> Why? You don't, you, don't want, you don't follow sports at all, Dory? I do not. Not at all? Do you? Okay, well, we're going to start with talking about the Olympics. Do you care about the Olympics? I do not. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. Well, keep it real. Well, she's keeping it real. Absolutely. So the, the Olympics is finally over, obviously. Um, the United States actually had the most medals when it was all said and done with 113, uh, 39 gold medals, 41 silver, and 33 bronze followed second by China with 88 medals, and Japan had 58 medals. So that's uh, pretty impressive there for them. Actually, um, the Great Britain had 65 medals, but Japan had more gold medals than Britain. They always order it in terms of who had the most gold medals. But Canada showed out 24 medals. That's the, that's the most medals we've had in a non-boycotted games ever. And um, seven, gold medal for Can- seven gold medals for Canada, men's 200, women's soccer, women's 100-meter butterfly and swimming, Men's decathlon, uh, women's eight rowing, women's weightlifting. So uh, the women showed out, and um, they were riding the wave for us for the uh, medals for a good while. And, um, yeah, it's pretty impressive. How, watching the Olympics for yourself, Solitaire, um, yeah. we spoke a little while back before about thinking when Canada was at 10 medals, whether or not they'd be able to double it. So were you impressed with what you saw in the Olympics? Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Canada showed up and what they call, you know, there's a there's a saying that uh, shouts out to uh, my brother from another mother, Zamani Thomas. We have a saying that goes under promise, over delivered. <laughs> sure. And Canada over delivered right. with us with, a, you know, with a with a staggering 24 medal <laughs> count right. compared to what did, what did the U.S. win? A hundred and thirteen. Yeah. Even when you account for the population disparity it's we're still we're still well know. winter olympics are a thing more so than it's the true. summer olympics like we tend to That's do true. have a better medal medal count during the uh, the winter olympics but just some uh, notable highlights for for the canadian olympians uh damian warner who won uh gold in decathlon he actually set an olympic record and a canadian record at the same time and he became the fourth man in history uh to break the nine thousand point barrier so um impressive for that uh i don't know how to pronounce this girl's name penny Oleksiak, I think is how it's pronounced. She won seven medals. She is now Canada's most all-time decorated uh, female Olympian, or maybe just all-time Olympian for all. I'm not sure about that. But uh, Maggie McNeil won our fastest gold at an Olympics ever. She won it on day three of the Olympics as well. So that's cool. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was good. Like, um, I appreciate it. I like the Olympics. I particularly love track and field. Did of... you see that? Did you see that race with the runner for where was the runner from? Where she she got knocked down? Yeah, Netherlands. And came back yeah. and won from won the gold medal. Yeah, Netherlands. I think it was the women's eight hundred, but don't quote me on that. But yeah, she got knocked down in the last lap, got back up and just chased oh. everyone down and. And that was a heat to qualify just to be able to go for a medal. Oh, too, it was. So. Oh, I thought I yeah. thought it was for a medal. I yeah, it was no, medal. but it was it was crazy. See. Her. Her, her, uh, the gene that she has for wanting revenge is very strong. <laughs> oh, you think so? 
<laughs> you think that's what motivated her? Her, her revenge all... gene helped her to get up to win the race. <laughs> I mean, Not her motivation the, gene. The competitive gene, <laughs> the revenge gene. I see where you're, you're bad mind, eh? You're bad mind. Kind of sim- but they're very similar. The idea is I will not be defeated. And her brain I must get revenge like, on these women. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing to see. You're crazy. Anyways, moving on to baseball. Um, the Jays actually, they've been really turning it up ever since they came back to Toronto playing at home again uh, for oh, the nice. first time. So they're currently on a West Coast road trip. Uh, they started a three-game series with the Seattle Mariners yesterday. Um, today's game starts at 10 o'clock tonight. And then Sunday's game uh, starts at 4 o'clock, so that's tomorrow. They're off on Monday. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, they're in Washington on the road. Tuesday's game starts at 7, and Wednesday's game starts at 4. And next weekend, they've got a three-game home series with the Detroit Tigers. So Mm -hmm. that's good news there. And moving on to the uh, NBA, uh, it's been pretty crazy. Kyle Lowry's now gone. It's unfortunate, but we all saw it kind of coming. He's going to be playing in uh, Miami. And uh, and the Raptors uh, drafted Scotty Barnes from Florida State. He's been making his rounds around Toronto, getting accustomed with the lingo and whatnot. And we actually drafted the first Canadian player with the 46th pick. The Raptors picked uh, Delano Banton. Uh, he was playing for Nebraska, and he's actually a Rexdale native. So that's uh, pretty it's, cool. It, uh, it's Delano Banton. Delan- <laughs> okay, I'm not pronouncing it well. I'm, I'm seeing it like Canadian. <laughs> I'm seeing it like a can. I was just shocked to figure out like he was the first time that they've drafted a Canadian. Apparently, like maybe it's the first time they've drafted a Toronto native, because oh, I thought they okay. had drafted a uh, Chris Boucher and stuff, but I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. But um, yeah, he's from Rexdale, so that's crazy, and that must be such a surreal thing for him to be, surreal. you know, growing up in the city and now playing for the city's um, professional basketball team. So that's great. He's a six nine point guard. And uh, Scotty Barnes, he's a 6'9", small forward. And apparently he's a defensive uh, juggernaut on the floor, too. So we're looking Mm. forward to seeing that. And uh, Goran Dragic, who's coming to Toronto from Miami, got himself in a little bit of hot water with the Raptors fan base. Um, He was quick to apologize, but he kind of alluded saying that he had higher ambitions than playing for Toronto. And people took that the wrong way. Did you see that story, uh, solitaire and dory i saw it and i just would say i don't think he's gonna last long (laughs) right you know what he's he is a good player you know he's a veteran and he apologized and kind of explained that he's he wants to win a championship he doesn't have a lot of years left in his career he knows toronto won a championship and it may be a little while before we can win another one so he wants to play for someone who you know has a shot at winning it you know next year or at least the year after which makes sense and he's always been a stand-up guy in um in the NBA. Like most NBA players, have nothing but positive things to say about Goran Dragic. So you know mm-hmm. he explained it. He apologized, and I think the Toronto fan base is being a little too touchy about it. And you guys need to just let it go. And if he comes and he plays, <laughs> embrace him, please. I don't know. Uh, well, embrace you embrace somebody who dissed you before you even. He arrived. didn't mean it as a diss. He really didn't mean it that way. But, but you know what, Toronto, uh, Toronto fans are very sensitive yeah. because there's been many, many examples of players refusing. Who was the player that ref- he actually got signed and said, 
I'm not I'm not playing in Toronto. I, I'm not going. I can't remember, but I think there was one time where Alonzo Mourning was supposed to That was to, it. It was Alonzo Mourning. Okay, he was supposed to get and traded to Miami. Toronto and he was just like, "No, I'm not coming." Yeah. And I, so I, I I held venom for him every day ever since. Exactly. Yeah. And I think you know, how do you pronounce his name? Goran like Goran, he, Goran Dragic. He's he, he he definitely didn't uh set the right tone. He didn't if mean he it. Pref- if he performs well, he will. Then I'll be like, okay, earn your stripes. But he's 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 got to dig himself out of a hole right now. He's a good player, man. I think I'm sure he is. I'm sure. He I think is. we're being a little too sensitive about it, but that's it for um, hashtag sports. Okay, excellent. Well, um, Dory, are you gonna watch any of those baseball games? <laughs> no. Is there no. not any sport, Dory, at all that you like, or, or you don't care no, about? No, no. I sports? mean, there's there's sports that I like. Like I really, actually, I do like basketball. Mm. Um, I don't have a television. Oh, okay. Right? So I'm kind of out of the loop for most of sports broadcasts. Like, I'll see replays. I mostly follow, like, people's, like, you know, like, I follow the Olympics through, like, the cel- the nationalistic celebrations of right. my friends. Right. <laughs> How, have you never had a TV? I haven't had a television in 27 years. Wow. Wow. I mean, I had like Netflix and Hulu before you had to pay for it and all that kind of stuff. So right. I watched stuff, right. but I've never had a television television. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's impressive. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in the absence of our, of our dear little sis, no better Nina, she's taking the week off for some well-deserved rest and relaxa- relaxation. I present to you, uh, Reddy Fox and Solitaire's No Better Take on behalf of No Better Me. Sure. Okay. Now we're going to go through, uh, we're going to rehash some of the previous discussions that we've had. A lot of them have to do with relationships. So um, we'll okay. go through one at a time. Okay, sure. Well, let, let's start with the first one here, though, um, yeah. that yeah. we spoke about at the beginning of the show. When it right. comes to social media complicating your relationships, because I actually put stock into this. And the part of the reason why I say that is because for a while I used to say, like, how can someone get bullied on social media? Like, I never was able to put the connection. To me, it was like you had to be physically there with someone. So mm-hmm. it took me a while to kind of get that. But when I realized that people really can't separate social media from their real life, like in real world, whatever. So, I feel like social media can complicate your relationships. So we asked, um, in order to stay faithful or loyal in a relationship, um, should you avoid being on social media? And the choices were, yeah, social media is too tempting. Uh, No, it's called control. Or doesn't matter. Trust no one. So 0% of people said, yeah, social media is too tempting, which I'm surprised. Um, 71% of people said, no, it's called control. So the majority. And then 29 to 30% of people said, it doesn't matter, trust no one. So mm-hmm. let's talk about it for a bit. Do you mm-hmm. think that uh, social media is something that can complicate your relationship or something to be avoided? Mm. I, uh, it, de- it depends on the person, man. It depends on the person. It depends on the relationship. It depends on, I think... A crucial point is how you met. Did you meet on social media? Then I can understand how that would heighten your concern of, you know, what you're, what, what you may be doing, what your partner may be engaging in 
in the DMs section of their social media. You know, I, I, I understand it from that perspective, but um, other than that, if you are a person who was grounded in reality and you met in real life and you and you actually ha- have and share real life in-person experiences, mm-hmm. social media should not be a significant uh, a detriment to your relationship. Tell that to an 18-year-old, but what do you say, what do you say, oh, you know, good, good that you raised that point because I guess it's definitely age is a factor. Yeah. But the only thing is that your relationship is complicated regardless of what medium that you're in. So if you're in a complicated relationship with lack of trust, uh, lack of confidence, which probably defines the 18-year-old, then it, regardless of if it was a telephone, a pager, <laughs> uh, MySpace, right. <laughs> You're going to experience problems because you're just trying to figure out how to have a healthy set of relationships with one another. And uh, because there's aspects of social media that's public, there's aspects of social media that can be private and disappear. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That if you if you haven't built that baseline of trust and understanding and intimacy and all those things that you have to learn how to do then any medium can mess you up, right? right? Any okay. medium can mess you up. Okay. I mean, remember all those things, you know, we're old enough that you were passing notes. Uh-huh. <laughs> how many, how many relationships ended because the wrong person had right. got, got passed the note? Well, you know, I, I will still say, I think your relationship, if you're in a relationship, a couple that is not on social media, I think stands a better chance than a couple that is on social media. I think so. That's yeah. just the way I feel about but, it. I know, just feel- but but I, but I will say, the divorce rate has always been 50%. hovering around fifty or over fifty percent long before social media. So yeah. I wonder if the rate has hey. gone up since social media has become prevalent in our lives. I, I, I would be. I don't know. If, no, I don't know if the rate. Okay. I don't know if the rate of divorce has gone up, but I know the rate of people getting deciding to get married has gone way down. Right. Mm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on to the uh, next topic here because we actually spoke about this earlier before as well. It was yeah. a previous poll question. Uh, do you consider flirting while in a relationship as cheating? And yes. the, the choices were, yeah, it leads people on or no, it's just a personality trait or I'm single. So it doesn't matter. So, you know what, when we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago or how long ago, I was saying, you know, I believe in the notion of innocent flirting. Like it, it seems like it's an old-fashioned, antiquated way of thinking, I guess. But um, Nina and Solitaire at the time, they, I was two against one here. Like they were like, "No, it's, it's. There's no circumstance where it's good." Yada yada yada. So, Dory, you're the the, the new voice here. So, what are you what are you saying in terms of flirting? I love flirting. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just it's just again it's a way it's a it's a clever. If it's a clever way to show appreciation for another person, right? And so again, our assumption around flirting is that like there's some there's always some sort of sexual element to it, and that's where the jealousy or stuff gets in there. But a lot of a flirting is just about like I appreciate how clever you are. I appreciate the fact that like you put that together at a level kind of subtlety that didn't feel offensive, right? There's a sort of it's a gentle way of just showing like you have interest in a person as a person, right? right. As a person. And it's not um, cheating. And it's not cheating, right? right? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, you know, 
I guess the thing is, is that this is where like, it's all about your relationship with your partner. So again, I could say I like flirting, but I have been in relationships with people where they weren't appreciative of my flirting until I explained to them, this is what it is and this is what it means, right? And right. so that doesn't mean I'm trying to get with this person or go home with this person. And, you know, I try to be very clear, like there's, I don't flirt with everyone. There's people that I might flirt with. And again, if I see like they're having this, it's a verbal vibe, right? A verbal vibe that you're playing with, then I'll do that. But there's only... Like for thing, one of the things I miss uh, being here in Toronto is I don't have a really good flirting partner. Like there, there's like a, <laughs> some people you could go, and you're just like layering on the compliment, 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 so that everyone's like being gassed up and feeling good. Right. <laughs> and I don't have a good, I don't have a good flirting partner. So so ready, so ready. You might be you. You want to become my flirting partner? Um, I stink at flirting. <laughs> I'm no good at it, but. Oh! I could, try to practice but solitaire what do you say like is is there any is there such a thing as innocent flirting solitaire you know i would describe what you're talking about that's not flirting that's socializing that's being a good uh conversationalist that's being a, a an entertaining person to be around you know the gift of you know the gift of making people feel comfortable enough to get to a level of conversation that's you know a little more surface yeah yeah so i to me when i say flirting in my mind i guess that's kind of what we have to define like flirting is the intentional like i am attracted to you and you in a space where whatever it is you know obviously it's most conducive when you're at a club or at a bar or whatever the case is flirting to me is like yo your energy has compelled me to come over here and say i don't know who you are but i like to, <laughs> to learn more look and i want to know more not because <laughs> i think that you're smart it's because my loins and my visual cortex has <laughs> said hey follow that rabbit <laughs> See, that's not even flirting like there's no subtlety in that yeah. like flirting is about subtlety so flirting is like coming over and sort of saying maybe he doesn't oh, know how to flirt like it's like, I love that chain that you're wearing. Like, it really sort of, you know, brightens your smile. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, I mean I, I'm being, like, really, you know, coarse with it. But it would be, it would be clever. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure, it will be. Okay. It would 100% be clever. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We, we got to wrap up. We're out of time now. But just one last quick question that we spoke about in the past. So, no, we have no time left. So, just answer real quick. This is a bullet question. Mm-hmm. Name one artist that you feel has not made one bad song. Dory. I have no idea. Solitaire. <laughs> oh, Red Man. Okay, you say Red Man. We talked about this before, so we have you at a disadvantage. I say Prince. I, I don't feel like Prince ever made a bad song. I have At least I never heard a song from Prince that I thought was horrible. So, uh. one, possibly thinking of anybody else, Dory? Uh, Whitney Houston. Oh, I don't think she made a bad song. I don't. I have. I can't think of any bad songs that she made. There you go. That's a good answer. And that's it for No Better Take with Solitaire and Ready. Nina, I hope that we did you proud, girl. Right. And I think that we had a huge assist by Dory's insights. Oh yeah. To uh, especially into flirting, 
Um, but yeah, thank you very much for for curating that, Ready Fox and Nina. Thank you for you know uh, taking us down this relationship journey, learning about ourselves and yeah. and the best ways to be in a relationship. But um, ladies and gentlemen, man, that went by quickly. That went by pretty fast. I yeah. feel like you know, Dory, we're so excited to and appreciative of having you on our show here today. Um, anything? Are that you flirting like- with me? <laughs> I mean, I was going to say that your eyes, you know, the, the background brings out your hair and your eyes. I was going to say that. Terrible. We got to go. I, I'm, I'm beginning to feel like you don't know how to flirt. <laughs> Not with a put on the spot. Not with a put on the spot. Anyway, um, any, any, last, any last things that you want to leave people with before we get out of here? I know we're over time. Mask up. <laughs> Socially. Mask up. Get the jab. Get vaxxed. <laughs> Absolutely. That's fair. Ladies and gentlemen, we're over time. That's what we ha- that's what happens when we have such a spectacular guest. Dory, thank you for spending time with us. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Make sure you continue to follow us and support us. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we will see y'all next week. Peace. So you're saying I gotta polish up my flirting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. probably. You should I would expect you to be very good, Mr. Lyricist. But I mean, I, I wasn't. I wasn't in that mode. I was in. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't. I can't just turn it on like that. I gotta. Be like, the setting has to be right. <laughs> I'm saying, I, and like I can, I can flirt. I mean, I'll tell you, when it comes to flirting in a relationship, the the way that you, you see the way you're talking about Reddy Fox, like social media and how it 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 can play a detrimental factor in your relationship. I I feel that way about flirting. And I know that when my energy, like when my energy matches the energy of somebody that I'm flirting with, it goes pretty fast, pretty quick. So you have to avoid you whore giving the wrong impression. Huh? I said you whore. No, no. I, when I'm, when I'm single, when I'm single is what oh, I'm saying to you. I see. So that's why in a context of a relationship, you know, I've had I've had people I've I've been in situations where people misread the energy and it's like that's not cool. Like you, th- you know, I th- I'm sh- how many times, Dory? Tell me, is there been situations where people think that you're flirting and you have not been flirting at all? You've just been being friendly. your natural social friendly self. Has that ever happened? Lots of times. Yeah, I'm sure Lots that happens. Probably, especially in Toronto. All the time. All the time. Especially in All Toronto. And that's that to me is the problem with flirting because usually that kind of energy, when you're complimenting someone, depending on and it also depends on what their like what their confidence level are. If they're insecure, that compliment that you give them might be like, yo, you're my soulmate. Mm. <laughs> and you're like, yo, listen, I was just trying to say hello. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I and so Flirting is complex, man. I think it's I think it's on a case by case basis. But if you're in a relationship, I think you should try to avoid it as best as possible. All right. Is there anything else we should talk about before we wrap up, or let's we, we're a bit running long here? It's getting close to being late. Nah, it, it, it it is it is very late, and um, I don't want to. You know, I think I just appreciate Dory once Thanks again. Thanks again for coming out and hanging out with us, Dory. 
Yeah, but we're not going to talk about T Pain, or we already talked about T Pain and and Usher. We could talk. We could talk a little bit about it. Yeah, before we go, how are you feeling, Ready Fox? You up for it? It's a, a few minutes. I guess okay. so, if you want to. Okay, so let's me go to the story here, and I'll kind of explain it. So, real quick, uh, yeah. T Pain was on an interview. Here we go. So during an appearance on Netflix's This Is Pop, which is a docu-series, he kind of revealed, T-Pain revealed that Usher told him that he messed up music forever with his use of auto-tune. Auto-tune and T-Pain kind of became synonymous, one in the same kind of thing. And, you know, as the story goes, T-Pain was on a plane. The flight attendant said Usher wants to speak to him at the back of the plane, whatever. And T-Pain's like, Usher was his friend and he had complete respect for Usher and then he said, yeah, you um, messed up music. You kind of fucked up music is basically what he told him. And P- T-Pain took that to heart coming from someone that he truly respected. And he kind of went into a depression. Now, if you watch the Drink Champs episode with T-Pain and Nori, he explained that he was dealing with a bunch of other things at that time, too. And that was the tipping point. So it's not mm-hmm. like that was the only thing. And, you know, that was enough to put him into a depression. But he was dealing with so much other things in his life. And that was the last thing. He didn't need that at that time. So he was in a four-year depression. But since then, um, him and Usher have spoken about it. And they're friends. And they're good. And this and that. And um, what did Usher say? Usher said that he's happy that T-Pain said something. I'm not sure if it was before or after our actual conversation. After I heard what was said. It was very hurtful to know that he had an experience of that kind of hardship in his life. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And he said, private conversations for me have always been intended to uplift. But when or if people get pieces of it that can always be or have another interpretation, and we've spoken since, and we're good. So that doesn't sound like a, a apology <laughs> No, <laughs> to me, and per how se. Was, and how does calling somebody on a plane, he's probably like, yo, I'm going wherever he's going to. Maybe he's going to a studio session or or a show and you're up in first class and you're like, yeah. And the stewardess is like, yeah, uh, Usher wants to speak to you. And you're like, oh shit, Usher, my boy. You go back there and his way of uplifting T-Pain is to say, yeah, you fucked up music, bro. That, that's forever. Forever. And I don't agree. I don't agree with that one bit. It's like, so the bigger question is, you know, I don't agree with it, but did Usher have a point in saying, did T-Pain mess up the music industry? So, what, like, I love T-Pain. Everything I've seen from him in interviews, he seems like a great, just genuinely good human being. So, just, you know, going back to T-Pain's heyday when he was, like, on top of the charts and stuff, and then a lot of people started copying it, do you mm-hmm. feel like he messed up the music industry? Dory? No. <laughs> but for me, what what was, what was, what... For me, what's interesting about the story is, again, I've, there's something happening. And maybe it's just a, a greater sense of maturity. Like, there's something happening about all of these hip-hop artists being very honest about their well-being, mm-hmm. their social and emotional well-being, right? I and love so it. being able to, to, like, for me, it was remarkable that he was able to be like, you know, this encounter with a person that I thought was my friend, sent, you know, helped me move into this space of like great depression you know again he's he's out of it clearly you know because you normally only recount it at the end but to be able to have that kind of level of vulnerability Mm -hmm. um to me like there that to me was the shift that i was actually really pointing to and you know again like 
there there are things that show that Usher may not be the most sensitive, kind, understanding, yeah. <laughs> generous individual. So you're not I'm surprised so glad, that he would say something I'm like so that. I'm so glad you right? said that too, because I, I tend to forget. I don't really know much about Usher's personality. I only really know about him through his music. So he might actually be an asshole. Mm-mm. Apparently, you know? apparently he is. <laughs> apparently he is. I don't know. So what do, what do you say on it, Solitaire? Uh, in... Of course, T Pain didn't room music, man. It's ridiculous. I think people, if, if if people weren't following, if he didn't start the trend in hip hop at that moment, he obviously didn't start the trend of of auto tune. It was auto tune. It was, was being well used way before. Wait, yeah, before, but, you know, he obviously... I think of computer love. <laughs> That's yeah. my first auto tune. Yeah, but right? the, I, well, it's not quite auto tune because I can't remember what exactly it was called. Because you have to vocorder. be able to... it's a vocorder. Yeah, vocorder. vocorder because vocorder you have to also be able to play keys and stuff and everything in order to use that thing that Roger Troutman used. Yeah. and all that. But that's with auto tune, that that's all like post production stuff that you can just do on your vocals, you yeah. know, after it's all said and done. But the thing is that T Pain did was he made it prominent in terms of. Yeah. Like when people were using auto tune, they were using it subtly. Like you didn't want people to notice you were using it because you just wanted the artist to sound like they knew how to sing, right? As opposed right. to T Pain, who he knew he knows how to sing, but he made it so obvious that he was auto tuning his voice that it made a whole unique kind of new mm-hmm. genre of wow. doing it, whatever. But yeah, and just uh, anecdotally too, or not anecdotally, but just in that from that T Pain Nori conversation. When he went on stage and said "fuck Jay Z" after "Death of Autotune" came out, he was drunk out of his mind. Apparently, at that time, he didn't even know he had said it. Because <laughs> when he came back off stage, his manager was like, "Yo, you know what you just did, right?" And he's like, "What I do?" <laughs> kind of thing or whatever. So he was going through such a horrible time in his life at that time, and he actually tried to drink himself to death. He really did. Like he purposely he he tried to literally drink a whole bottle of Hennessy. To kill himself, hoping that his heart would give out or something. So, oh, you know, he was see, he was really going through it. Yeah. So, I I highly recommend someone, anybody out there, if you're if you like T Pain or whatever, and you want to really get the story from him, from you know, bad way to put it, but the horse's mouth. Um, mm-hmm. Watch that Drink Champs with T Pain and um, Nori. It's really great. You get all the answers within the first half an hour of the show. It it's a two hour podcast. And literally the first half an hour of it is him literally talking about all of the stuff that we just spoke about. Yeah, because he just yeah. wanted to get it out of the way. No, Nori brought it yeah. up. Oh, yeah. no, Nori he, brought and, it up. And, and T-Pain was ready. But I think what just to kind of go back to whether or not he room music, my point is if he didn't come up with that trend of popularizing auto-tune, Someone else would've. people would have, whatever that other trend would have taken its place, people would have followed that. You know what I mean? Like the 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 real true alchemists and creators and who are the original like ideas and thinkers, they're not they're gonna say, Oh, that's where they're going, I'm gonna go this way. And that those are the artists who change the face of music. People will always follow And T Pain actually was saying that about artists these days. They do too much copying. Like yeah. somebody comes out with something and it does well and everyone else just follows along and tries to do the same thing where he said coming from the day of music from back in the day everyone purposely tried to do something different something like different, imagine yeah. today and i was thinking about him when he said this if dos effects came out today you would have another 400 rappers after them doing the kind of thing or whatever but when they came out back in the day no one else tried to rap like that 
You realize because that. Because he couldn't. Right. Everybody would be like, yo, why what are you, you jacking? What, yeah, exactly. And that's that's the thing. Like, if DOS FX came out today, you would have another thousand rappers trying to rap exactly like that. Yeah. Well, if, if they came out and went and sold multiple. Yeah, if it, it has to be successful. Otherwise, no one's going to want to emulate it, right? But that's the point is that somebody sees something that's successful and they just say, okay, I'm going to do that too. And that's not what happened yeah. back in the day. Everyone tried to plant their own creative stake in the ground and sound yeah. different than everybody else. And well, and it was also because, again, it was so expensive. Like right now, why you have so much replication is that it's less expensive to produce music. Whereas before, if you're going to put in all that money and all that effort, you're going to try to do something original to break through. Right. right. Okay. Well, let's wrap up. Um, yeah. That was yeah. that was a great conversation. So solitary. Let's. A little bit, at the last uh, the last second, Dory just had even more gems to give us, like just free jewels. So I'm <laughs> so grateful, man. Dory, you're amazing. You're a blessing. Thank you so much for taking the time and spending the time with us today. You made this uh, a truly great experience. So thank you. And again, always fun. Always invite me. I'm always I'm always down to come hang with you. Oh, thank you. Absolutely, and of course. I would be remiss if I didn't thank you, our loyal listeners, for tuning in each and every week. This was a special conversation, so please like, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff if you agree that this was a great episode, all right? (laughs) Have a great week. Much love and support. Mask up. Get the jab. You know, come on. Let's let's avoid this fourth wave. (laughs) Avoid. Shut up. Okay. Okay, bye, guys.